actually a canopy fan. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? You guys are up. Yo, man, episode 11. We have Miss Susan Hickman sitting here with us today. Uh, we've made double digits, Nick, and one of the things that actually has shocked me the most is I, I've been tracking some of the stats of our podcast, and we've now had three episodes hit, uh, no, four episodes hit over 100 downloads on the podcast format. Not yeah. on Facebook Live. Yeah, totally unbelievable. Of course, people download Nick's the most because he is the coolest motherfucker around. Uh, I don't think that's true, and it's highly debatable. You do have the see, most downloads. I, I See, but I just think people start at the beginning as an instinctive thing. It's like, oh, episode one, I'll start at the, at the beginning. Susan, that, what do you think? Um, I think y'all are both great. Ah, uh, well, so, see, that's what sh- shows what you know. Nothing. <laughs> but it makes sense about the first... Yeah, see, yeah, that's a good starting, starting point. At, yeah. yeah, especially when there, are, you know, there have only been ten or less episodes. It's like, yeah, start start with the first one. Yeah. By the way, did you hit record on the video on OBS? Yes. Sweet. We're getting so our. We're, we're recording on uh, Audacity and OBS, so I'm, I'm all over. It. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a problem for us. Uh, Hank is at over 100 downloads. Tommy Miller, and of course Venezuela. We did something last week. You you let me know if you're getting. Uh, a feed here because I'm not seeing it. I am on. getting a feed. Uh, I am seeing us. It's a little bit laggy right now. Not 100 sure why. I reset the modem and routers. So if you're watching on Facebook, this might not be the clearest feed. Let us know what you guys are getting, um, and we'll see what we could do. But okay. we're definitely getting a, a, a clear audio feed. Um, Nick, we could always restart that computer if we needed to, um, and still keep recording for the podcast part. Uh, so once again, we have Susan Hickman here. Hi. Susan, how are you doing tonight? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's fun to have you here. You were like one of the first people to know I was really doing this. Um, I, I wanted to get into podcasting. I wanted to do this. And you were my canopy course. Yeah. And I found out you sing music. And I'm like, wait a minute. You might know a lot of audio questions on what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, God, I think we sat down uh, on a weather hold one day for about two hours and talked about this. Yeah, time. it was a long time. Yeah. So uh, a lot of you might have heard of Susan. I've, I've pimped and promoted her on the show before. Uh, Susan, you're the 2015 CMA Country Music Award Texas Female Artist of the Year. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So what Huge got honor. Yeah. What got you into country music? Um, in a nutshell, um, I've been doing this ever since I was really, really little, and I've and I, I've always really, you know, enjoyed music and um, wanted to pursue it as you know my passion and my career. Um, when I was really, really little, um, I uh, told my parents, and they were kind of like him hawing around, like, "Yeah, you don't know what you want to do, you know, with your life yet. You're yeah, too yeah. young." But um, I, uh, I just started being proactive, and I started, you know, going out and making connections and <coughs> making appointments, and you know, talking to um, you know people in the business, and you know, just kind of it just kind of snowballed from there. I mean, I think you kind of skip over a little bit of a point because there's a lot there's like yeah, i've been yeah. doing it for 17 years so like there's a lot of ground to cover <laughs> on your website there's a little bit of a bio about you and it says when you were a young lady when you were a child you told your mom you want to get into country music mm-hmm. and she said something like no and you made a phone call i did okay so so i told i told her that i wanted to start pursuing music as an actual career and she said okay well show me that you're really serious about it and, you know, 
we'll go from there. And for me, I mean, showing that I was serious about it was sitting down in my room with a phone book going, okay, telling agencies, telling agencies. I had no idea what I was doing. We had no internet. We, you know, that times are so different now. Yeah. So I'm sitting down. I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. I'm thumbing through the through the phone book looking for talent agencies. Um, I found one. I made a call and I made an appointment. And then I told my mom, hey, we're doing this on this day. And she's like, okay, I guess we're doing this. It turned out to be a total bust, but I mean, it, it got my feet wet into, you know, just some experiences. And you say a total bust, <laughs> but I mean, I'm looking at this from, from what I understand and, and what I'm trying to figure out is your mom was like, whatever, and kind of blew you off. Yeah, in so many words. I think she just wanted to see because you know how kids are like, Ooh, oh, I yeah. want a pony. Oh, I want a dog. I you wanted know. to be a fire truck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dude, that's really funny, actually, because I wanted to be a tractor when I was a little kid. <laughs> and I thought that that was the craziest thing. Yeah. That, but I'm, I'm glad you want to be a fire truck. I mean, fire trucks and tractors, they can hang out together, right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, at some point, no joke, I actually said I want to be a skydiver or a fire truck. No clue what either one possessed me. And I actually thought fire truck was more realistic that's- at the time. That's a new one. I don't think I, I don't know if I ever wanted yeah. to be an inanimate object. Well, at least I got the host for it now. So, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I wanted to be a uh, tractor or, or a dinosaur. I did want to be so, a dinosaur. See, that's normal. But you got yeah. T-Rex arms, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A dinosaur or a bird. I wanted to be a bird. So you say it's a total bus. I don't think it's a total bus because now your mom's kind of like whatever. And now she's like, oh, shit. My daughter's serious about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. My daughter really wants to do this. And now you don't sell a talent agency. You don't sell people. But now you've sold your mom. Right. True. And we know how important it is to have the support of our mothers. Right. So we just celebrated Mother's Day. Yes. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Oh, man. Um, we, um, she was my champion for a really long time. She she doesn't come out with me every, like, uh, you know, all my shows and all, all the stuff that we, that I've got going on now, but like for a really long time, like she went with me everywhere. Like we, she, we went on radio tours together. Um, she went to all my shows and, um, it's, it was really nice to have somebody there that, you know, that you could trust and you're, it was your safe person, you know, cause Absolutely. especially like a young female in this industry like if i was out there just doing this all by myself it would have been i think it would have been probably a whole different story i couldn't imagine just a young female in the industry in the industry in skydiving you know if you're a girl on a drop zone you're gonna get all the advice you need and more i was like i have brains too (laughs) no no (laughs) so now you're how old again when this story first happens when you first try to i was like i was like 11 or 12 okay i think and after that, you say it was kind of a bust. So right, real quick, I'm sorry. Nick, I'm pulling this up on my phone. Yeah, I don't think we're going through to Facebook Live. And, dude, I'm streaming lo- totally fine on my phone right now. Really? I just tried to pull it up on my phone. Yeah, and, and so... And I saw Jimmy saying, am I the only one having trouble viewing this? Oh, you know what? No, I just had problems again. Um, so if you want to shut down that computer... Cool. Um, if you look to your left, under my printer, there is a green piece of cardstock on that top shelf to your far left. Yep, yep. That piece of green cardstock has a password to the computer handwritten on it. Okay. So, and ignore my urologist information you just dropped on the floor. Yeah, you've got... So, yeah, I think we're intermittent right now. I think we're going in and out, and I'm not sure if it's Facebook or if it's us. 
So now everybody knows in the world how to find my password for my computers. <laughs> um, guys, if you are listening to this on Facebook, we are having a little bit of an issue, but uh, hopefully the live podcast will be, or the podcast will be downloadable and good to go. We are, we are good on that recording. And uh, we'll hold off on Susan singing a song until we actually know where we're at with this. Um, so your mom is now on board with you. She's now touring with you. She's now seeing you. Mm-hmm. Wh- what's your first big break, as, as you would describe it? What, what would you call your first big move? Oh, gosh. Okay, so I have a lot of opinions about whenever somebody says about, oh, she got a bright, big break. and she or she or Well, bring them. It's it's funny because like in in this industry like okay like some friends of ours they've you know they've had a lot of success and all that kind of stuff and people always call them like an overnight success. No and such thing. They work like, hard to get there. It's like a twenty year process. Like the, this one this one guy in particular, um, he he wrote a song about it because you know he he had a song that was a, a great big hit and they started calling him overnight success and he was like you know, it took me a really long time to get here but. Um, I just always thought that, that was kind of funny, but um, I don't know if it was any particular point or any particular one show or one one single or um, when I recorded my last CD, which is my the one that we have coming out soon is um, uh, way way long overdue, but probably my last CD we did a lot of um, we did a lot of touring, mm-hmm. we did a lot of uh, promotion. I had a publicist. I had a I had a whole team that really was helping me work through a lot of stuff. And it was nice because I wasn't the one making the calls all the time, which is usually, you know, in an independent world, yeah. the country music world, that's usually what's what you are. You wear many hats. So um, my last CD really kind of laid some really cool groundwork for, um, you know, I got to I got to tour overseas. I got to do, um, you know, play at CMA Fest and. All kinds of stuff. So, like, that's probably where it started to actually things started to happen. I, like, I like seeing like all the like fruits of my labor actually. Like, I started getting paid more. I started, you know, having more quality shows instead of quantity. Because I mean, I at one point in my musical c- career, I was playing like every single day, sometimes twice a day. And that's that, a lot of music. Yeah, and it's not healthy either. <laughs> so real quick, I do need to ask Nick one quick question. <laughs> yeah, Anybody sorry. listening to this, I'm fighting through what I believe is the beginning phases of bronchitis. I'm just, I've got a horrible cough. So what I want to see is when I click my mic off, are you getting a loud click from it? No, it's a small click. It's not bad. Okay, then I'm going to, every now and then, I'll mute my mic so I don't cough to the rest of the world because it's a horrible thing. So you say you pay, you play a couple songs a day. I, you, you bring a lot of questions up. And so the first one is that last album, you're long overdue. Way overdue. Um, I told you a little secret that I, you know, I, you know I've know i stalked you ever since I saw, I saw a video of you singing uh, Blue Bayou, I think was a song, yeah. on Facebook. And I just fell in love that day. I already knew you. You're a very nice lady. You're an attractive lady. But when I heard you sing, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in love. Um, your voice style is really just speaks to my heart and my soul. And it's just, it's, it's that sultry voice. It just, it's so much power to it. Thank you. Um, so I've since stalked you and found you're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Is that the album? Is that your last album? That's my last album. Yes. And that was from Oh nine. Well, it was, it was put out in Oh nine. We recorded it in Oh nine and we released it in 2010. 
So you're way overdue. So I am 2017 so woman. Oh, overdue. I've had several singles since then, and I've do, and I've been you know working on projects and stuff. But the full length album will be here this summer. Hell yeah! No more putting it off. So it, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that went around it, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. But like, there's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, it cost a lot of money to do. Oh, I this. can imagine. Yeah. Um, excuse my cat. That's okay. I told you he's an asshole. Um, and I thought it was a child of like, y'all don't have kids. <laughs> no, no. Valerie <laughs> took the dogs for a walk, and when she gets back, the cat will stop being a nail and go play with her. Oh, that's funny. Till then, he is just, I mean, I love my cat, Ralph. Anybody who's met my cow, no, cat knows Ralph's a dick. <laughs> Nick, you've been at our house probably 15 to 20 times. Oh, yeah, I would say that's a pretty reasonable estimate. Yeah. Have you got through to him yet? Uh, I thought I had. <laughs> and then he bit me. Yeah. Oh, he bit me. He bit me too. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a jerk. Uh, I just, that's the way he is. I love him to death. He loves me. So sorry about the cat. That's okay. Um, well, your, your first album, I listened to your first album and, and I'm, I'm horrible with music, so I, I don't know the right words, but I would, it almost felt a little bit poppier to me. It felt a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a, this new album. How's that? Is that vibe moving? Yeah, it's it's a lot different. Um, it, it's more. I mean, it's definitely country. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the that's the genre. But I think stylistically, it's more, um, more kind of Americana. It, like we yes. experimented a lot, and I think, you know, I'm not one to rush anything, and I think the way that we kind of took took the time to make sure that everything was right on this CD. Like, there's 15 songs on it, so like we have a yeah. lot to say on there so um it's it's more kind of americana it's got a lot of um um kind of some of the songs are a little bit more on the kind of rocking a little bit edgier maybe a little southern rockish a little bit a little bit and then of course that you know then then it goes back to some of the some of the slower songs like i've got two waltzes on there and i know everybody told me that i'm not george Strait. i can't have two waltzes on a cd but I, I couldn't pick, so I was like, oh, we'll just, we'll there just throw it out there. <laughs> Nobody's George Strait. I mean, George yeah, Strait no, just, is one of the greats. Yeah. I love George Strait. Um, a lot of my friends don't realize how eclectic my music taste is. Um, through fourth grade, I grew up in Tennessee and Alabama. Oh, my yeah. first tape, because we bought tapes back then, was Kenny Rogers. So, oh, yes. yeah, um, I could <laughs> sing more Kenny Rogers songs than I could sing anything else. If you count what I do is singing. Yeah. So uh, George Strait, definitely. Um, Americana, so I think almost a little more folksy sometimes, more more John Denver style yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And we've got kind of, you know, we've we've experimented a lot. Like there's a blues song on there, which I yes. love. And um, of course the waltzes. And then there's some, you know, there's some, you know, up-tempo two-steps. And then there's... Um, some more kind of edgier songs, which I like. I like the edgier stuff because like I... You know, I was a child of the 80s and like I grew up listening to classic rock. I mean, that's what my dad listened to. Yeah. And we always had either classic rock, country or Christian radio station on. So and then my mom liked oldies. So like I had always like very, very, very eclectic and um, eclectic uh, music listening styles. And then I played um, more classical type of music. I started playing piano when I was five. So I started, um, you know, listening to like Mozart and Beethoven and Bach and all that crazy wait stuff. A minute, wait a minute, you started playing the piano when you were five. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just putting these together. Uh-huh. How did your little hands wrap around the keys? Okay, so playing the piano for me was actually easier than playing the guitar. When I first got my guitar, um, I literally did not pursue it at all. I I wanted to play guitar ever since I was very, very little, and that's what I wanted to play because my mom had a guitar, Mm -hmm. and I would always, you know, I'd play it like a drum or I'd try to play it, and I had no idea what I was doing. So she decided to put me in music lessons. Um, Our pastor's daughter actually taught me piano, and I wanted to play guitar before piano. But she's like, just start with piano, see if you like that, then we can move move on from there. So I stayed in piano for, gosh, I maybe till I was 14 or 15. Okay. And when I was maybe 13, 14, I started playing fiddle. So I started getting fiddle lessons. Um, and then when I was maybe 19, 18 or 19, I bought my first guitar. Um. And it was not what I expected at all. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I had a band. I was in a, I was, I was in a, um, like a variety band. So we did like a lot of, um, like a variety, um, classic rock, um, 80s. A lot of variety covers. Variety, yeah, covers. Um, we did weddings, private parties, and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I bought my guitar, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? This is... I can't teach myself how to play guitar. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I thought I had to learn every single note, every single scale, every single everything on Mm -hmm. this guitar. And my guitar player at the time, he told me, just start with one song. Start with a simple song, like two or three chords, learn that. And everybody learned Stairway to Heaven first. And (laughs) Actually, I didn't. I learned, like, but I learned, my very first solo that I ever learned was um, uh, Patience. By Guns N' Roses. Yes. And when I tell that story, people are like, you're a country singer. I'm like, that doesn't matter. I like it. I like it. I like it all. No, some of my favorite songs I've heard you sing are not country. Four Non Blondes, you did the other no, night in no, concert. Not country at all. Oh, my God. When you did Four Non Blondes, I think I told you that night, that, that was You're like, thank you for doing my song. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? Not even so much my song is, is that's the voice. The yeah. voice you have. You have such a diverse range. But that, I can't remember the name of the song, Four Non Blonde song. I just Oh, What's Up? It. What's Up? And the, the the tone, the voice, the octave, whatever, I, I don't know. If, I, I know how to p- push play. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that tone is my favorite love. Like, just the voice you use there. Same with, like, Jolene, mm-hmm. uh, Blue Bayou. They're all on a very similar register. I, I'm throwing around words. I have no clue what they That's mean. That's okay. Um, I think fine. I got the right idea. Yeah, yeah, words. yeah. You got They're the, the right places. Yeah. Cool. Um elbows i don't know i'm making up music words now um hey, dj just real quick uh yes sir. we're still not going out on uh, on facebook i restarted it a couple of times and we're not getting uh any love Where, where's the router if i wanted to try resetting it uh go into the living room yeah uh there's a modem and there's a router got it um the router's on top of the tv on top of the cabinet there's a button in the back to push to turn it off the modem's on the shelf underneath and you have to unplug it to do so okay so, um, and kick the cat on your way by. Can do. Yeah. So we're definitely getting people joining in and out. Anybody who uh, downloads and listens to this, I'm sorry, guys, that we're having problems. My my wonderful internet that we pay way too much money for is, I don't know if it's a computer problem, an internet problem. Mm. Uh, we're having issues. I've seen tons of people signing in and out asking about problems. Um, Jay Vienendahl yelled Susan at some point. So Yay. Jay is a man child. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You, 
so you play keyboard, you pick up the guitar about 19. Is that where we were at? About, about then. Like I, I bought it and I, and I kind of played around with it a little bit and then I kind of set it down for a year or two and then I picked it back up and that's when I kind of got the advice from my guitar player. Mm-hmm. Just, just start with one song. And since then it, it, it's like it, it, a light bulb went off in my head. Oh, cause I'm not going to use every single note and every single scale and every lick. You know, I thought I had to learn all that stuff first before I started playing. You know, I was a just kid. I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. Um, so I did. I sat and I I played uh, guitar hours upon hours upon hours every single day because you know I'm with my band. I want to I want to pl- play. Yeah. You know. I just. I mean, yeah. I mean, I could play percussion and some stuff, but I want to play. Um. There's something to be said for a pretty face behind a microphone. There's something else to be said for a girl who's holding that guitar while she sings. Yeah. And that's that's. And music. I wanted to be able to accompany myself. And, and I think that when I when I finally learned guitar, I mean, I literally sat in my living room and practiced eight or nine hours a day. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it got to the point to where, like, I started having, like, some, like, carpal tunnel issues, and which I still periodically have, but... Um, He's like, I want to. I was so sure I scared that cat away. (laughs) He's back for more. Oh, no, dude. Ralph has to be in the same room Valerie or I are in. If I'm on one side of the door, he has to be on the same side as me. Yeah. Um, Until Val comes home. Then he hides. He's like, I play it cool when mom's home. Yeah. When mom's not home, daddy, Daddy. you're my bud. And I picked him up when he was six weeks old. Uh, Hank and Cheryl had a litter of kittens. Uh, A friend of ours abandoned cats at the DZ. The cat had a litter of kittens, and Cheryl, you know Cheryl, the packer, she refused to let this litter of kittens become a bunch of cats and strays and feral, and so she took them all in, and Cheryl has got got a freaking heart of gold, and she tells everybody, we're going to take these cats to a shelter, we're going to try to get them to a no-kill situation, but somebody take cats home, and Val and I are like, uh, we'll try one. I walked into Hank and Cheryl's trailer, at that point they lived on the DZ, all the cats are sitting there in a pile. I reached down, and the, everybody ran away but him. And I picked him up. I said, I'm taking him home. And so I've had him since he's six weeks old. He is a little baby. I got him straight off of his mama, and he has been my boy ever since. So That's cool. Is Val back home? Yeah, she just walked out. <laughs> cool, so he'll stop whining now, and he'll start <laughs> hanging out with her. So now you've been playing guitar for a while. Um, one of the things that I've found out, and, and, and once again, every time I unpeel another layer of Susan Hickman, I kind of get a bigger crush. You play violin or fiddle. Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah, same thing, yeah. <laughs> it depends if you're country or not. Yeah. So how many instruments do you play? Um, play piano, fiddle, guitar, and mandolin. And, you know, like things like, like harmonica and stuff like that, but like, um, yeah. I want to learn how to play bass because we have this little kind of a not everybody calls it a side project. It's not really a side project, but I yeah. mean we're not really booking a whole lot right now. The the daughters, okay, I have with my two best girlfriends. We're gonna come to the daughters here in a little bit. Yeah. We need to talk about those yeah. girls because we got some voting to do here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, we're gonna we talk do. about this. But um, I I see like a need for that. I'm like I could play bass. You know, like I play I play some some bass you know lines on guitar you know when we're yeah, when yeah. we're playing sometimes but like that would be probably the next thing that I would want to pick up eventually like not right this I, I'm too busy right now I'm, I just need to I shouldn't say I'm too busy it's not on my I guess direct priority list 
That's what I should say. And you stay fairly busy. You know, if somebody were to ask me, what does Susan Hickman do for a living? I went to your Facebook page and there's only like 20 jobs listed there. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the show in Living Color. But the yeah. Jamaicans go, you only have three jobs, man. Yeah. I have 14 jobs. Yeah. And, and that's Susan. You have 14 jobs. Um, looks like we're still dealing with that, Nick. Yeah, I uh, restarted the router. I've restarted the computer. I've restarted OBS. I think it might be a Facebook issue. Uh, you know what? <laughs> and I think you also might die. <laughs> only. <laughs> Sorry, does a laughing help? No, laughing. Only if you're so lucky, man. <laughs> That was the best old man noise you've ever made. <laughs> right now, this is the oldest you've ever been in your life, and that noise was the, the best old man noise that's ever happened. Oh, dude, you. the best part about this old man noise is I've been doing this all day long. I get this cough, and uh, Bill Dawson says, man, you just cough out a rib? And I'd never heard that saying before, but you ever cough so hard your rib fills after up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I just coughed out a rib again. So. <laughs> I'm popping back in place. Yeah, I feel like an old man here. Um I, I learned to play guitar at some point. I say I learned to play guitar. I fiddled with a guitar. Yeah. Um, and learned to play a couple songs, learned to strum a little bit, and actually got decent enough that my buddies would let me, they'd play, and I'd strum in the background, and they would just call out, uh, they'd call out a key, a note, whatever, and a chord is actually, because I, I, they taught me all chords, and I just changed chords every time they told me to change chords, and I'm like, just strum to what sounds good. Mm -hmm. So that's all I knew how to do. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'll try bass. It's less strings. No, it's not any no. easier, is it? No. Yeah. And of course, Primus is, is I love bass. Primus, I think, made most of us fall in love with bass. So. Well, see, now it, ma it makes more sense for me because, like, starting out on bass or starting out on something to where I actually have to play, like, l like licks and, and, you know, like a, like a bass line or something like that. I couldn't have probably done that 10 years ago. But um, now that, like, I understand theory and a little bit better, because, I mean, when I played piano and violin, I didn't really. I learned how to read music and I play by ear a lot. So that was really kind of hard for me to sit there and just, I hated reading music. I hated it. And now like what we, what we play to now um, or what we, you know, like we'll write out a, a number chart, mm -hmm. the Nashville number system. It's a, you know, one through seven, you know, for A, B, C, D, E, F, okay. G. Um, and it's just a number chart. So everybody stays on the same page. If you need to go, Hey, we're, we're going to go back to the first verse. We're going to start on the one. It's just a, it's a music musician's language to where it's so much easier than reading all these notes. When I learned, uh, I, I played trombone in junior high, mm -hmm. um, horrible choice of instrument. <laughs> I was in Japan, seventh and eighth grade, and I was on a military base at a department of defense school. Started with trumpet. There were like 12 trumpet players found out top two chairs are in traveling band. I looked at trombone. There were two trombonists. I'll be the third guy. I could beat out the last dude. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And uh, I learned to play trombone. And I got in the traveling band because top two went. And I knew how to play positions. I knew numbering. Yeah. I didn't know the... I looked at the note. goes, that's a three. Yeah. Note, that's a four. Yeah. Same okay. So, so that's cool because like when I talk to some people about this, they have, it's like completely foreign. So it's awesome that like you... Yeah. It makes... It actually makes sense because back to... I. Man, me and music, it's, 
I have very little music talent. That's one of the reasons I'm attracted to musicians. That's one of the reasons, like people who can draw, people who can sing, people who can play instruments. My sister has played piano her whole life. She still has a piano in her house, and she still plays. And it sounds like a lot like you started in music through church. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually still plays avidly in church. My my folks, my family are very Christian going Baptist church people. Yeah, awesome. I am not the same as them. Um, I'm not against them. We all support and love each other. But yeah. uh, she still does it. Um, and it's always enamored me. It's always mesmerized me. Just good music is, is something I can love. <coughs> Speaking yeah. of songs, do you remember the song The Cat Came Back? <laughs> yeah, and he never walked the same. Because, <laughs> yeah, that cat's back, dude. Valerie must be hiding in the shower or something because, man, that cat is a... Wow. I don't think anybody on, on the podcast can hear this, but my cat, like, if you've ever heard the cat crying outside your window at night... That is it. It sounds right like a child. It really does. Yeah. Uh, we, we his name's Ralph, and I can actually get back and forth and go Ralph, and it sounds like he's saying Ralph back at me. Oh yeah. So uh, think that's it's cool. Animals are awesome. So I'm going to ask the the. There's two questions you never ask a lady, and in skydiving, one I can ask a lady and get away with is how much do you weigh? I won't ask that on this podcast <laughs> because we can figure out your wing loading and what you fly for parachutes. Yeah. The one thing I can ask now is, how old are you? I'm 31. 31 years old. Mm-hmm. And so you really started picking up the guitar around 19 and then once again a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. About 21 is when I actually started really doing something with it. And, and I couldn't put it down. I got to do a little bit of math here. I'm a little bit slow. You know, Asians, I should be able to do math. It's 2017. So seven years ago, your album really hit the hit the market. Because mm-hmm. oh, nine when... So I can't believe it's been that long. That's just that's embarrassing. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. I was it actually is sad because I mean, it, I've like I literally I started I started working on this project about five years ago and just so much stuff happened and just so much just life. OK, that, you know, I'll, I'll be like, OK, I'll I'm going to I'm going to do this next month. And then six months would go by or a year would go by and it just. Should have never happened, but so everything y- happens for a reason, and I, I believe that very, very strongly. So, this is the time that it needed to happen. So, a lot of musicians, when they put a new album together, put an album together in general, they mean for me to listen to it from song one to song 15. There's an order for some and a lot of musicians. Is it true with you? Yeah, yeah. So, if and, and I haven't heard this, but when your new album comes out, what kind of journey can I expect to take? Well, I'm in the process right now of organizing where I want the songs. Okay. So, because it, for me, that's important. Like, some people are like, just slap them on there and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But I kind of like it to, I like it to kind of tell a story. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's any kind of, like, rhyme to my reason or, like, I don't know if there's, like, a set order that it has to be in, yeah. but it just it, it for me if it, if one song flows into the other, um, the so way you might pick the first song because I want to start here, yeah, and then just this makes sense next. Mm-hmm. This makes like just, this this sounds like the the opening like I think it in terms like of like theater like you know you you have your opening scene you have your you know you have your middle ones and then you have like the you know the I don't know. The, the guy shoots the his wife or something like that and then you know the big you know surprise and then the the finale I don't know it's just 
I think I think in terms of like theatrics and it makes sense. Yeah, no, you make total sense there. Um, and songs itself, and it's one of the reasons I've always liked country is is I listen to a lot of music, and a lot of music tells a story inside the song, mm-hmm. but a lot of music's just senseless good times. Yeah, I've got a couple of those on there too. It's like what. What was I thinking when I wrote that? But which way do you tend to lean more? Just senseless good times and music, or do you really try to tell a story with a lot of your songs? I am. I like to tell a story, and I'm gonna like <laughs> tell on myself, which everybody knows anyway, because I'm musically I'm kind of an open book. A lot of people, you know, they know a lot about um, about my my musical life, but I write from experience and very like right. m- like pure feelings. Sure. Um. So sometimes I write from my own experiences. Sometimes I write from other people's experiences. Like I wrote a, a song um, called Nowhere and Goodbye that's um, about my best friend. She was going through a terrible breakup. And like I was I was seeing how it was affecting her. And I was seeing, like, you know, she was, she was planning to move. And she ended up moving um, mm-hmm. for a little while. She's back now. I'm glad. <laughs> but... Um, I saw that you know I saw the the way that this was affecting her, and um, one of my very very best friends, um, his name is Brandon Smith. He um, he texted me one night. I call him my little brother because like we started playing together really really young, and um, he would always call me Big Sis because I would call him, Hey, I've got this gig. You want to play it with me? And um, so we started doing a bunch of acoustic gigs and stuff together. But he called he texted me one night. He said, I've got a line for a song. And I don't know really where I want to go with it. And, you know, he sent it to me. He's like, what do you think? About five, ten minutes later, I, I like, it hit me. Because she was going through this. And, and he sent me this line. And I just, I wrote out the song. I played guitar on it. And I did, like, a little voice memo on my phone. Uh-huh. And I sent it back to him. And I was like, what about this? He's like, well, as long as I get credit for it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as long as, you know, I get credit for it, too. Yeah. Um I'm I'm happy so um he's like don't change a thing it's perfect i guess but so it, it's that's back to the thing i like the most about country music is there's always that feeling that vibe that story yeah and, and things just organically happen i'm i'm very big into that feeling that scene mm-hmm. so in 09 you produce and in 010 2010 you release what's the name of the first cd it's actually self-titled, so, so Susan Su- Hickman. Susan Hickman. Mm-hmm. Um, and check out SusanHickman.com, people. Go to her website. The website is, is a very nice website, which I do want to side note. Who who made that website? Um, I cannot remember the guy. We we built it together. Okay. Um, I don't. I cannot remember for the life of me what his name is. Well, you kind of went with what I was wondering. We built it together. You worked with some web design at some point as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's a whole other story <laughs> in itself. Um, we, back whenever I first started, when I was really, really young, mm-hmm. um, when I started kind of recording and trying to get my feet wet with with music, and I told my parents, I was like, I need a website. And so my mom said, well, we'll get the internet and you can go build yourself one. And my first website was horrible. It was so bad. <laughs> I'm so glad that there's like, I'm sure there's some trace of it somewhere because everything that gets the put on the internet, yeah, it doesn't go away. But yeah. the internet's for porn. It was terrible. Yeah. But um is I it just, better than your MySpace page? Do I still even have a MySpace yes, page? You do. I do. Yeah, you do. Ah, <laughs> I haven't logged into there in years. It still exists. Yeah. yeah. Um so you you made your first website and it was horrible. 
Oh, yeah. So, and I've made several since then, and I'm actually getting ready to change over to the whole new look for the the new album and everything, so. I've got to ask, DJ, were you on MySpace, or was that uh, before your time? Um, I was on MySpace. Um, immediately thought it was just a bunch of garbage. Um, I loved MySpace. Yeah. I <laughs> loved it, too. When I was like 18, 19 years old. I thought it was great. Yeah, I just dealt with it because I needed to deal with it, stay in touch with people. I actually only got onto Facebook because a buddy of mine goes, oh, dude, you got to go on Facebook and check out this picture of a friend of ours. She's hot in these pictures. And I'm like, okay, I'll check. Bro, I, I can't see the pictures. I have to be a member. I know it's worth it, bro. <laughs> so I sign up to Facebook. He's like, dude, I'm like, do I have to be friends with people? He's like, dude, I know it's worth it. I'm like, whatever. And the pictures weren't worth it. I mean, she's very attractive. The pictures, I'm like, dude, you signed me up for Facebook for this? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, much love to that friend. It's, yeah, thanks for signing me up for Facebook. But I liked works. MySpace for a little while until it got kind of ridiculous. Like, they're... Spammy. Very spammy. I um, I made a lot of money on MySpace. I actually heard MySpace was phenomenal for uh, musicians. Yeah, that's why I got on. Um. <laughs> I started um, I started really marketing myself through there, and um, when my CD came out, I um, I would advertise, um, you know, ten fifteen dollars for a CD. I'll sign it and send you whatever. And like I made I made really good money just CD sales wise through uh, MySpace, which like you can't really do anything like that now on there because it's just it's kind of I don't know. It's not very user friendly for for me anymore. I mean, yeah. It um, I only noticed it was there because of your links on your on your website on susanhickman.com. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you have a lot of old links on there. I'm sure. You, yeah. If you think about it, you know that. Yeah. That's why I like every, that whole website is. It's totally brand new. Are you do you you already have it getting done? Do you already have somebody doing it for I'm you? I'm doing it. You're doing okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Say if you're not doing it, I have somebody I'd suggest. Yeah. If you need a web host, I have somebody I suggest. Cool. The guy who uh does all the hosting for the rating center's website uh, -huh. uh is Kyle Henderson. I don't know if you've met Kyle before. He's a skydiver. His name sounds really familiar. A uh, little bit of a shorter fella, uh really uh light guy. Um Darker hair, a little bit about shoulder length. Really, really nice dude. Cool. Um, wonderful job with hosting. Uh, can't ask for a better host. Bless you. They come in threes. And we're back. <laughs> All right. How are you doing? I hey. at least remember to mute the mic as I do these things. Um, man, this Facebook thing is has me totally baffled. Oh, man, if you're not sitting here, people, Nick, and you're hearing him, he's nonstop. <laughs> I even watch you on your monitor trying to so figure I'm, it out. Well, I'm trying to troubleshoot from two different computers, and the the first video that we made, that first 10 minutes while we were figuring it out, or whether we were trying to figure out what the problem was, whether we needed to restart something, now I can go back and play that video that shows that it wasn't, it, it was, the stream was freezing up at the time, right? Yeah. And now it's uh, showing, it, it plays through that video. But the sure. video that is supposed to be streaming live right now is just, uh, if I ref refresh the browser, it plays for like three seconds. And then it That's goes away. so weird. I don't understand. But the uh, the audacity, the, the actual downloadable podcast is all is all good. So we'll and I have, have you right that. now um, on my phone. I'm, I'm, again, not on the Wi-Fi. So I just watched you say all of that stuff. That's crazy. But, see, but I don't... I, it's got to be the network going out, right? It doesn't matter. Nope. You, yeah, you just froze again. You know. It's, ah, I don't get it. Yeah, it's intermittent. Um, so have you actually tried to look at any other Facebook live streams from other people? No, that's a good idea. 
Yeah, because right now I'm curious if, if I go try to stream anybody else or anything else where we're getting at with that. So now people just listening to this, you'll see or you'll just know that the three of us are just hanging out on our phone in the same room. Pretty much. That's what modern technology's come to. Hey, guys, let's all <laughs> hook up and go out to dinner. And then what do you see everybody do? I hate that. Yeah. I really do. I am. Um, I actually, it's, it's a huge point to me. If I go out to dinner with a bunch of my friends... Until I actually get everybody there, I leave my phone on and available in case somebody needs to page each other to say, hey, man, we need to get a hold of you. We don't know where we're going. But once everybody's there, I put up my phone on Do Not Disturb, and I put it away. I put yeah. it in Val's purse the other night. Uh, we were out to dinner. Nick, myself, uh, myself, and a couple of our friends were out to dinner. I put it away. Everybody's here. Because I think nowadays, because it, it literally like is in my hand all the time. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I think about this all the time because I hate that we're so glued to technology, but it, we kind of have to, like you do, I like we all do because of like not everybody just works a regular nine to five job. You know, yeah. you're, you're always doing all kinds of stuff. But I was thinking if um, sometimes I'll just pick it up for, out of habit and it's like a like a like a security thing almost. It's like, okay, well, let me just, let me just crawl back into my hole. And, and there's people there that you could be talking to and socializing with. Like who needs to go check Facebook when you're, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do with my, hands. I don't know what to do with these. <laughs> so I pick it up. It's, uh, I've gotten good for me. You're right. It's, I, I work a very atypical job. And so people constantly rely on, on getting a hold of me, and I used to, it used to drive me nuts. People would get a hold of me at eight o'clock at night asking me about coaching. And part of me immediately would think, wait a minute, man, why can't you call me during business hours? Right. But then my mind immediately goes to, you don't have a regular their business. Their boss would probably fire them. Yeah. If they called me during, right? Not, not everybody, but there's a lot of people like, what do you do to talk about skydiving? I'm paying you to work right now. So they have to call me because this is their hobby. Right. Um, and <clears throat> most people are very understanding that I don't get back to them right away. Mm -hmm. I actually ask all the guys who work for the rating center, anybody who contacts you, you answer within 48 business hours. And we've actually had a lot of people say that's huge to us. People yeah. say you contact us right away. Uh, every now and then I'll get somebody who will message me every 20 minutes till I answer them. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I have some of those. <laughs> give me more than 20 minutes to answer your questions. Yeah. <clears throat> it's horrible. But I mean, that's reasonable. That's a reasonable block of time. For, you know, 48 hours, two days. That's huge. I can tell you, like, just from experience, me trying to, like, contact people for bookings and stuff, sometimes I don't hear from them for months. Yeah. I mean, you and you have to, hey, remember me? <laughs> and there's only, like, you know, 20 ways people get a hold of us, you know. Right. Facebook message me. Facebook message my, my page. Hey, I just, I want you to watch that monitor down there right now. You see this? Yeah, oh. it's not just us. I just think Facebook Live is broken. Facebook's broken. We're going Sorry, back to MySpace, world. people. <laughs> We're back to MySpace. Screw you, Mark Zuckerberg. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me get on my stock options I, here. I, I just want you to know how much better I feel to know that other Facebook Live streams are broken. Because I've been racking my brain trying to figure this out. And I feel like a lot less of an idiot now. Dude, you, I've been watching. I don't know if you've heard him over there. I've been he's watching. Like, and you, you actually notice every now and then I've been tapping over here. I've been watching what he's been doing because that's his computer right there. The broadcast computer is the one he's looking at. So I've been watching him research on that, broadcast on yeah, that. I can see like stuff moving and like hmm. And I'm watching over here. So it uh it's Nick's been going frantic. So Mr. P, thank you so much for your dedication. Hey, I'm, just you rock. Get, I'm just trying to get her fixed. But uh call, Facebook is down, so the world's probably broken. 
called Jesse Eisenberg. The world's ending. That's who played Mark Zuckerberg, right? Jesse Eisen was in that face. Um, <coughs> I think so. So now I've completely... Oh, yeah, we just went on a tangent about technology. That's okay. So, so dude, if you're sitting... <laughs> and then I just checked my phone. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude... If oh. you're sitting at dinner with this girl, if you're out with a party with your friends, put your effing phone away and interface right. with your friends. Total tangent, but put your fucking phone away, man. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting. Some of our guests, everybody every now and then will peek at their phone. I use it to check my time. Yeah. I've actually watched guys sit here in between things texting. I'm like, I don't mind, but it's like, just interesting. Yeah. Well, I haven't got to participate at all because I've been trying to fix this problem. You're back. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to give DJ's voice a break and I'm going to ask you some uh, some questions. Okay. So why country music? What made you uh, pursue country music? Um, To be honest, um, not a lot of people know this about me, but like I started um, when I started actually playing in bands, I was the only white girl. I started singing like Motown, R&B. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So... Even though country music, like I grew up with it and I always knew that that's what I was going to do, I kind of took a weird little road to get there. So country music really was not my first genre. So what was the first thing you were you were into making? Um, like I loved like Mariah Carey and Alicia Keys and yes. Whitney Houston and... I You know, this that is kind a, of stuff. I, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. Oh, yeah. That song... Will make me cry yeah. if I listen to it. Yeah. It's I, I love singing that song. It's so that's the kind of stuff that like I like music that speaks to you, that makes you get chill bumps and that tells a really great story. Um and I like power. I like really, really powerful singers. And so I've always like I try to replicate or I try to um I look up to people that can do that and I try to aspire to do the same kind of performance. Um, I don't like copycatting people, but I like trying to emulate that feel. So that was kind of, that was my, like my first thing. And then, um, uh, I was doing a Christmas album with a friend of mine and, we uh, we hired these musicians, and this how, is how old are you? Put this in some context. Okay, um, I'm sixteen. Okay, sixteen recording. Sixteen. Uh, Christmas well, no, album. no, no, no. Hold on, I'm seventeen. Okay, I'm seventeen. So recording this album with a friend of mine, uh, Brent Wilson. Um, just a small little little deal. We we recorded seven songs, you know, because we're just like, we love Christmas music, and we're like, we gotta record it. it's a Christmas album. And um, we hired these musicians, which um, most of them I've kept in contact with, and th they've become like very very good friends. And that's kind of where I started kind of getting introduced to a lot of people in the music scene here. Um. So, um, the drummer, Paul Chris, if you're listening, hi, I love you. Um, but he, he's like, you are a little white girl, long blonde hair, just cute, whatever. You, why aren't you singing country music? You have an accent. You have, you have this whole thing going. Oh, that's a prerequisite to have the I, Southern accent. I, and that's the thing. People tell me I have a Northern accent and I don't hear it at all. But I think a some of the northern accent, a northern accent. And where did you grow up? In Texas. I yeah, was born in Clear Lake, so it doesn't make sense. Every now and then, you get a slight bit nasally when yeah. you speak. Every now and then, it's my allergies. <laughs> but that's the that's I get the northern from that. 
And I think it's the way that I say words because sometimes I get excited to talk about stuff and then I'll just. But the way she just said excited. But no, yeah. I mean, that's totally. I don't, I just don't hear the that's northern southern, thing at I mean, all. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking Minnesota. Minnesota. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah people say that. I'm no, like, I don't, I don't hear that. I don't hear that one bit. Yeah. No, when she said excited, I heard the southern girl in her. Yeah. So um, he's like, why aren't you doing country music? You know, you love it. Like, it's, it's you. And. I had no, I, I couldn't disagree with him. And it's not like he just changed my mind up. Oh, I'm going to be a country singer now because it's not really like that. I, I, I do country music, but I love singing all kinds of music. That's why, you know, I incorporate the four non blondes. I, I do like heart and like all kinds of like Stevie Nicks. And um, I think in this day and age, you don't have to just be in a little box. Right. And I think, you know, how digital downloads are now, like people, if, if they like a song, they'll go get your song. Some Sometimes they, they don't get the whole album sometimes, you know. I don't remember the last time I bought a full album. Yeah. So they'll time. get on Spotify or they'll get on iTunes and they'll listen to, a, you know, some stuff. And, okay, I like this. I like this. That's why my CD that's coming out now um, or in a, here in a couple of months, um, there's so many different songs the styles are a little bit different, you know, the blues and a little bit rock or the little, um, a little bit more country. So, um, I don't like putting myself in a box at all. So, um, anyway, to get back to your question, the, 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 the journey to now was, was a little kind of all over the place, but this is where I fit, I guess. But you enjoy other types of music. Yes. So, uh, I wondered how much, uh, are you, are you a religious person? Yes. And I I wanted your take about why why do you think country music is especially religious? Do you have an opinion about it? Um I get like I guess like to to, to clarify. I mean, I'm not like I I I, I believe like I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a Bible thumper by any means. I mean, I I try to do the right thing. I try to walk my life um as an example of how I think I should or how the Bible tells me I should. Um, Country music can uniquely tell a story and be able to um, help people identify with um, certain religious things, I guess, um, certain situations. Um, I think it's... um, I'm not trying to say. Maybe it's the culture of the South. Do you think that that plays a part in it? I think it does. Um, I definitely think it does. I think it's just, it's a very, very real platform to be able to sing that kind of music through. Like I have, um, I have a song on my last CD that's, that's spiritual. And then I have, um, I have a song on this new uh, CD coming up. It's called Sunday Morning, and my best friend Mandy Powell, she wrote it. And when I heard it, th- I mean, she, this is a song she wrote years and years ago, and she put it on her first CD. And when I heard it, I, I immediately called her and I said, I have to record this song. I love this song. And I like being able to um, take what I believe in and you know, use it as kind of a 
a way to witness to others, I guess. Okay, that leads yeah. me to another question. With uh, being in the public eye and spending a lot of time on stage and performing, do you feel like you get to be a genuine version of yourself all the time, or do you have to have to pretend to play, you know, to to play that role sometimes? That's a good one. Um, <laughs> since I'm kind of a kind of a reserved person, I think most of the time off stage, I think um, being on stage gives me an outlet to just kind of. You know, um, my shows are generally, um, you know, uh, my full band shows are generally pretty high energy. Um, we have a lot of fun. Um, getting off stage, I like quiet. I don't really like giant crowds of people. I would rather be on stage than in a crowd. Um, I'm very claustrophobic. <laughs> I would, I, I literally, I love sitting at home, watching TV, hanging out with my dogs. Um, so I think music is, gives me that outlet. Like I can just kind of go up there, do my thing, and then kind of, I so mean, I'm still always the same person. Yeah, but so but even, even though the behavior might not be the same way that you are in your personal life, it's still from a genuine place? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like what, there's, what, I don't know much about, uh, like, what's the biggest crowd you've performed in front of? Probably seventy five thousand. Oh, jeez, yeah. that's way too many. That's a lot. What's, what's the most? Uh, Jesus, like seventy five thousand. Hold on, seventy five thousand. Yeah. Okay, just put my head there. Uh, what's the? And was that a nerve wracking experience? Like, do you, uh, or that's the size of an just, NFL stadium. That was normal? that energy. That was yeah. So you played an energy. I'm sorry. I'm seventy. I've spoke in front of fifteen hundred people. That's the largest crowd I spoke in front of, and that's a lot of people. Seventy five. Thousand. That's yeah, they the were sold out. That Energy night. Stadium. Yeah, that was it. Was nerve wracking. I was singing the national anthem that day, so that wasn't like a concert. Um, it's still seventy five thousand F people. It was a lot of people, <laughs> and of course, I'm singing. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a lot of F people. No, I think it's a combination of what you just said <laughs> with the way that your voice sounds is hilarious to me. It's puberty. <laughs> Here's my sexy phlegm. Uh, I've uh, I've made a couple pages at the drop zone lately. I said it's my phone sex operator voice. <laughs> It was nerve-wracking. I mean, it, it was nerve-wracking because it was the national anthem. And you know, everybody always, you know, oh, don't mess it up. Yeah, and I'm you're sure singing. you got to hear that a thousand times on your way to the, to the microphone. Oh, yeah. And you're singing a cappella, which is hard anyway. So it's always one of those things, don't start too high, don't start too low. And uh, so I've got like this thing now that I do, like, you know, the... The do re mi fa so la yeah, do. Uh -huh. So I always start with the I go do re mi, and I'm like, okay, that's my pitch. So I know that that's where I start, and if I start there, I'm fine. If I start anywhere else, it's a little, it's a little iffy. But what do you mean by iffy? Well, I mean if you if you start too low, if you start too high, and then it just kind of throws me off a little bit. If because that song, like, it's just I've seen American Idol. You're a little pitchy dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, saying. so there's two there's two things where I get nervous at. I don't really get nervous on stage um, anymore. I get nervous at the National Anthem, and I get nervous at a first dance at a wedding. Like, if I'm singing their first dance, I am scared to death. I'm going to sabotage and ruin their, their dance uh -huh. and forget the words or do something stupid. And it never has happened, but it's always, like, one of those things. So your nervous isn't about you. It's about them. Yeah. So... The about them makes sense there. Why the national anthem? Because of all of the people that have screwed it up over the years. 
And I think of it, I'm like, I know that, like, we used to, we used to sing the national anthem and the Star Spangled, or, yeah, the, the Star Spangled Banner and um, America the Beautiful. We would open, I was homeschooled, so just so you know. We would open our um, classroom mm-hmm. with those songs every morning, or every morning just about. So, growing up, I mean, it was just like the back of my hand, I knew the song. And I still know the song. I don't really even. I'll, I'll maybe maybe practice it like once or twice if I know that I have to do it. Like I did it last week, and I practiced it once or twice in the car, and I was fine. But it's just one of those fears that I'm going to mess up the words, and it's it's human. I mean, everybody's human. I mean, like you know, the people that go out and mess it up. I mean, they know the song. I don't really doubt that they don't know the song. It's just the nerves and the people and the atmosphere, and you can't hear yourself. Because of all the crowd? Because there's a slapback when you're in a stadium. Like, you don't really have monitors. You don't really have um, the proper setup because you're, you're on the field. So you're, you're singing, and then, oh, say, oh, say, it's coming back. And oh, so, do, you, do you know what the Speech Jammer is? Have you heard of that? Yes. What is that? So Speech know. Jammer is an app that you can put on your phone. Anyone listening to this right now, you got to go and download Speech Jammer. It only works okay, Hold on, you, let me get on my phone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> if you have, you have to have like noise-canceling headphones, so like either the little earbuds or big over-the-ear headphones like what I'm actually wearing. Uh-huh. So it... Uh, cancels out your voice and then you hear the recording of your voice coming back into your ears delayed by just like half of a second and it scrambles your brain women are actually uh, i I try and play this as a joke on a lot of people and women usually do a lot better than the guys do but it makes me sound completely just uh not great i can't speak i can't speak at all with it but uh, I imagine that it's a lot like that, that it's, you're, you're hearing your voice at a delayed time and it's kind of messing up your timing yeah. of how everything else should be should be coming you out. You know, like when you're talking on the phone and it has a delay and you re- you literally can't, I can't talk. Yeah, yeah, I have to take the phone away from my ear or just say, hey, I've got to call you back because it's yeah. like that. When I first heard the speech jammer, I'm like, I can handle this. So I'm, I, so I, so I, uh, you start doing it. so slap like back. I get like very monotone and I start yelling like I'm gonna have to check <laughs> that out. I uh, we should out. have you sing a song while <laughs> listening to the speech jammer. I think that'd be a great science experiment. Dude, that is an awesome. That's an awesome idea. Actually, <laughs> oh speaking of which, I still want to tell some more of these stories. But while we're talking, why don't you get that guitar ready? Okay. So um, cool. start getting that ready. We'll start talking a little bit more. Um, guys, one of the things I want you to do if you're listening to this podcast is first of all pull over your car. Don't do this while you're driving. Actually, I've had quite a few friends who say they use this as their drive time entertainment is uh, actually you listen to the podcast. Um, check out the daughters. The daughters, um, go to SusanHickman.com uh, or actually go to Susan Hickman on your Facebook page. And Susan actually has a post about voting for the daughters. The daughter is a group you're in, and we'll talk about these girls in a little bit. Yeah. And you guys are in some type of voting thing right now. Like, what's going on with the daughters? We're up for an award. So we're up for um, the Big Star 97 um, Music Awards uh, new uh, group, new best new group. And so um, those of you who are not familiar with Big Star 97, they're a radio station out of Dallas. Okay. Internet radio. And huge, huge, huge supporters of of live music. And they have... um, like I've played their shows over the years. They're just really, really huge supporters of all of us. And um, a couple years ago, they came up with their own awards. And you know, I've been nominated for you know best female artist before. And um, I think the daughters 
I don't think that we were nominated for anything before this. I think this was because the daughters have been around for a couple of years. But um, so we're up for the best new group and we're uh, we need votes. We're in the final round of voting and um, it ends on the 21st. So you can go on Facebook and it's all over my page. So you can find the link pretty easily. I'll, I'll share this. I know uh, we have it on Gravity Labs. We'll have it on Gravity Labs Facebook page as well after this is all done. Um, <coughs> those of you who are intermittently getting the stream, sorry, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook sucks right now, and it's, it's intermittent. But, uh, Nick, if you can look up how to uh, find the daughters voting, go to Susan Hickman's uh, Facebook page and share that if you don't mind on the sure, stream. Sure, I got it. Um, we'll talk more about the daughters. Um, one thing that you'll find out, guys, when you get there is you can't vote just for the daughters. You have to vote for every topic. So uh, we'll probably ask you a little bit about who you think we should support while we're at it. Oh, yeah. So, um, But right now, you're going to play a song for us. What do, you, what do you have in mind? Um, I can play... I'll play my last single that I had out okay. on country radio. Um, it was called Moth to a Flame. And it, um, it made it to number 27 in Texas. So nice. And yeah. Of course, we're a big, big country state. Of course. So I'm not, I'm not hearing your uh, guitar through my headphones here. There yeah. we go. I had so to turn it up. Beautiful. What's the story behind Moth, Moth to a Flame? Uh huh. What's the story? Okay, so the story's a little strange. Um, I was sitting in my apartment um, a couple years ago, and um, I was watching Netflix. And I was trying to find something to watch. Netflix and chill. Netflix and chill. <laughs> I was by myself and my dog, so that's kind of that's a little weird. Creepy. <laughs> Creepy. No, but um, so the title "Silence of the Lambs" came on. I'm like, I'm not watching that. I will not watch that movie. I am a horror movie buff. I love horror movies, but I hate that movie. Have you you watched the whole thing? I've, I've never watched the whole thing. It just freaks me out. It just. Okay. There's some things that just freak me out, and I can't. I'll, I'll tell you a story later about an, another movie that freaks me out. But um, so I'm I see that, and then the title "Moth to a Flame" just pops into my head, and so like this is so weird that that song came about just from an idea from a from a movie you hate from a movie that I hate. Yeah. So I started writing, and I literally finished it in just like 20, 30 minutes or so. And all right, all right. Finish the song. All right, now I gotta find something to watch. <laughs> so there's not really like that's pretty much the story behind it, and it's yeah. it's it, it's not a very good story, but that's but it's a good song. I've heard it before, so uh, if you yeah. don't mind, share with yeah. us again.
Good Lord. <laughs> you got, I'd say, about two verses into that, and Nick and I gave each other a look like, now do you know why I keep talking yeah, about her? Yeah, that's amazing. Cool. You almost, you. you almost had me tearing up over here. That was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, uh, Nick and I both have admitted at some point or another, we are criers. I love it. And uh, I think at some point, you will make him cry with your music. Cool. Um, but just in case, Nick, just so you know, for tomorrow at work, I do have Whitney Houston queued up on my phone. Okay, you, wa- you want to hear something funny? This is uh, pretty unrelated, but it's just kind of a funny story. So I, ha- I had lived here in Houston for maybe like two or three months. And one of the, the last things that happened in Utah before I decided to move to Texas was the girl I was dating, and we, we broke up. And it was like, all right, that's the last thing that I had keeping me here, so... I'm leaving. Mm. And so uh, broke up with a girl, blah, blah, blah. I hadn't talked with her. And then the day before I left to Houston, we made up, of course, because that's oh, what stupid course. young people do, right? Sure. Yeah. So then I had been living in Houston for a few months, and we were together. And uh, we were doing the long-distance thing, and we'd still talk on the phone a lot. And I just didn't I didn't like it. I didn't like uh, – it was a relationship that I was super over, didn't want to be in, and just was there because I was <coughs> – Young and it felt normal and felt comfortable, yeah. right? I'm sure we've we've all been there. Yeah. But uh, she she was in yes. she was in Austin, which is a three hour drive from here, and she was asking me to come visit her. And I didn't I just didn't want to. Like it's I Braden, didn't isn't I didn't it? even <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't even want to go see this girl, and I didn't know like I didn't know how to say it to her. I didn't know how to be like yeah, like 
I just don't want to do this anymore. I just didn't know how to do it. And then I was uh, just on my phone, just trying to keep my brain busy. And I was watching YouTube videos. And I watched this uh, video of this little Asian girl in the mall doing karaoke to that song, to I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. I and think I saw have you that. Se- have you seen it? I think I saw it's, that. It's amazing. She's, she's, like, she's, she's like in a mall or yeah, something? Yeah, just like on the corner of some little, little gift store. shop with a, with a karaoke machine. I and think she I absolutely killed it. kills it. Yes. And I just started bawling. And I'm... In the I'm in the packing room as this is happening, and I'm just like, all right. And so I storm out to my car. I call her on the phone. I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. But that that song, like that girl singing that song, just smashed my little heart, and I just couldn't. Uh, just that was the breaking point for me in a, in a whole relationship because of that song. <sighs> but this guy also drives to work and plays that little Vanderwall girl from. Uh, uh, what's that oh, show with yes. exes? Yes. What is her um. Uh, what, what's her first name? Oh, she's adorable. Oh, she's absolutely. Now I can't think of her name. Vanderwalt. You put me on the spot. Yeah, but he cries to work Is on it Grace? the way on purpose. Grace. Grace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, so she's incredible. She's so good. That the first <sighs> appearance of hers on that show with a little ukulele. Yeah. yeah. And I actually uh, just found. I think maybe I found it on YouTube. Uh, the professionally recorded version of yeah. that same song is beautiful. She's gorgeous, man. Yeah, she's great. So the talent. thing I find absolutely amazing about, I think Grace Vanderwall, whatever her name is, is I the thing it, yeah. that I find amazing about what you just did is I've heard that song a few times. I've heard it played because I've played it here or there for various reasons. Um, you sing it right now with so much emotion. You don't sing songs to sing songs. You sing songs to express your soul. Yeah. Is that fair? That is fair. I mean, and, you know... That song, even though it didn't really have a particular meaning at the time that it was written, I mean, it's got meaning. I mean, you know, subconsciously or, you know. Sure. You know, things things happen, and I don't, sometimes I'm not ready to write about stuff. And, yeah. you know, sometimes just things come out in songs. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes it just, it organically happens, and it's like, oh, I don't know really where that came from, but it worked, and yeah. there it is. But um, if I don't feel something, like if I have a, if I have a song that I'm singing and, I, and I'm just not feeling it and I just, it's fake to me. Like I, I, I can't deliver something that I don't really yeah. emotionally, and you know, there's fun songs, you know, I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about like the real, that's why I, I like a lot of like really intense, powerful songs. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to this on the podcast, go back and play that song over again. Cause I've sat at that desk working and heard that song and it was good, but now I just kind of sat here and embraced it, and I heard all the words, and man, that song's got some meaning to it. Man, that song can really mean a lot in different phases of our life. I could be in the middle of a wonderful relationship or at the end of a relationship, mm-hmm. and either way, it could have a meaning to it. Right. Me. So I, I, I watch you, and one of the things that I always love watching an artist do, a particular musician, is you close your eyes and you just embrace what you do. Yeah. I... I do close my eyes a lot when I sing, especially when I'm when it's just me and acoustic. Because I mean, I'm just kind of like I like to interact with people and I like to I like to see what people are doing. But I really, I really focus on the song and what I'm what I'm doing. Do you feel like you feel the music better that way? I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. yeah. It's a. Uh I mean, I, I feel lucky because, Nick, you and I just had our own basic private concert, dude. Yeah, it's ama- I feel like the one of the, uh, you know, I, I don't want to invalidate any of the other people who have been on here and the things that they've had to uh, to say. Sure. But it's like, that's the thing that most 
people would have enjoyed listening to is on this <laughs> podcast so far, and I feel bad that that live stream isn't uh, isn't working. No, but uh, but it's gonna. Pl- I, I, from what I can tell, it's gonna play like a normal video once we're done streaming, and it goes on Facebook. I think you're gonna be able to push play and, and watch it, which yeah. makes me feel a little embarrassed because I don't think I've been doing a, a great job with the camera. I think it was. Oh no, maybe it's left okay. on me for a little bit too long. <laughs> it's all good. I hope you weren't picking your nose. But no, that was uh, that was beautiful. I feel like we got uh, something that was certainly meant for a larger audience. Oh, yeah. thank you. It's beautiful. One of the things that that does is, so Valerie and I, we, we, we like to do a lot of vacations when we can, and we're beach people when we vacation. I grew up in beach towns. And so we always like to find the local place to eat where some dude is sitting there with his acoustic guitar chilling and playing songs. Yes. And I love requesting a particular song. And for me, Imagine is that song because it says so oh, yeah. much. I love that. But then I think, man, I just told this dude to play the song. And I hope Imagine, like every time I've asked a guy to play Imagine, he's like, absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like they play it with investment. Mm-hmm. But I watch you. You were invested in that song. Do you ever get requested a song when you're playing live that you just play it and you're just like, I'm just going through the motions? Um, Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, y- usually it's a song that I don't really care about or like, I don't know, if somebody requests something or, you know, drops a... 20 or something in the tip jar is like all right you know i'll 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 give it at least all that i have you know i mean i i don't ever want to shortchange a performance i guess you know because you know there's artistically i mean everybody you know everybody pinned a song or they recorded a song for a reason and they you know if, if i'm able to try it and maybe i don't know get halfway through it decently then yeah i'll try it yeah it's uh, something I think, think a lot of our friends realize. I've been asked the last two days about Susan Hickman, and a lot of my friends know who Susan Hickman are, and a lot of my friends were trying to figure out who you are. And every time I would describe you, oh, that really cute blonde girl. <laughs> you got so many compliments on being the cute little blonde girl. Aww. But one thing most of them don't know is you sing a lot of country, and you play a lot of local gigs. I mean, like one, two, three a week a lot of times. Sometimes, mm-hmm. Yeah, recently I got to watch you play at the Stampede, and that was that was a blessing. That was a really good time. We had a lot of fun. So thank you for inviting us out. Absolutely, for that. I'm glad y'all came. Oh, we we will be back out for more. Um, a lot of the gigs you play are a little bit smaller than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's it like playing those venues? Um, sometimes like right now, like I'm playing a lot of the venues that I like to play. Um since I don't have to play every single night like I used to, um, I play the venues that I like. You know, I like the owners, I like the staff, I like the the, the regulars. Um, I really hear the last, I don't know, the last little while I've really been staying close to home because I'm trying to finish the CD. I'm trying to wrap up a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I like, I like acoustic shows. And... You know, sometimes people come out there like, well, where's the band? You know, where, where's the rest of your band? I'm like, well, I booked, this is acoustic tonight. You know, it's, you know, something that I, I like playing acoustic shows. And um, I think it's just a different dimension because I don't play a lot of the same sh- songs that I play in the live you performances. You were going to say shit, weren't you? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's close. So I was like, oh, <laughs> you can say whatever you want on here. Every now and then, like, I don't really cuss all that much, but every now and then something will <laughs> slip out. And it's like, where, where did that come from? Um. But yeah, sometimes, you know, the I don't have any kind of set list yeah. when I'm playing acoustic. I just kind of I kind of read the crowd and I kind of 
you know, I take a lot of requests. If I know them, I'll play them. And sometimes even if I don't know them, I'll, if I've kind of know how the song goes, I'll try it. I don't think when people sing with a full band that they're hiding behind the instruments. But at the same time, when you play acoustic, you're playing naked. Yeah. Your oh, voice yeah. is on trial. Yeah. And I would rather listen to you play acoustic every day of the week. No disrespect to the band you played with the other night. They did a wonderful job. And and the awesome uh, guy. What was them. the guitar player's name? Um who was Justin. It? Yeah. Justin, I I had a lot of respect for Justin because Justin I could when when he had his moments, that boy can play. He can play. He's very good. But he never overplayed you. He always took his moments to give you your breaks. Mm-hmm. He always gave you your moments to let you rest. And he took all the attention. And as soon as it was time to hand it back off, you're the star. Yeah, he's very tasteful. He's always he's he's been like that. Like as long as I've known him, he's been very. very I would good. say respectful of the artist. Yes, but acoustic man, it's all about your voice. And uh, Nick, I, I've done this on the show more than once. Man, I, I like to tie my friends together. How cool would it be to see Susan Hickman play at the Jump for the Rose Mini Boogie? Just a little charity. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, you know. That is a good idea. Just throw a little acoustic set up there, play a little bit, jam a little bit, get a little bit more attraction. So we're going to have to talk to Marion. We're going to have to get you guys tied together if you're interested. Yeah. I throw everybody I'll be there the anyway. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, guys, here's your warning. If you ever come on Gravity Lab Radio, I throw people under the bus nonstop. No, man, that's a really good idea. We should no, that get is a good uh, idea. Magic Mike to come to a set. I haven't seen him out for a long time. Now, for those of you who know, Magic Mike is a magician, not the guys you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot that that's a movie now. Yes, it is. No, but uh, I think like, it'd be great uh, to have him start the show, get people excited, have you come out on stage, play some music. Man, that would be great. That would be cool. Dude, it would be a lot of fun. I think, uh, and I think Magic Mike would do a great job because he, if you've never seen this guy, I, I did magic for a total of about 10 years. Um, the reason I stopped doing magic is I was trained in the idea of you only do a trick when you do in your audience a service. You don't want to do them a disservice. We like being tricked. We like illusion. And every now and then you can convince me to do one of my old tricks. Steve Boyd caught me during one of our old Christmas parties making cards disappear and reappear. He's like, what were you? I'm like, I wasn't doing anything, Steve. Um, magic Mike and I like to sit and talk about those things. I think he'll do a wonderful job. But the woman on woman thing, you know, but drum for the rose is about females. Mm-hmm. And I think having that female artist would be absolutely wonderful. That would be very cool. Um, it brings me to one other side note that I've been meaning to talk to you about. Uh Oh, I have always loved skydiving film festivals. Okay. Gravity lab film festival. You and I are the judges. Oh, awesome. So I don't have to make one. No. Perfect. Yeah. Let's have <laughs> that like film festival. Too. Yeah. Please. No, you and I, let's put this together at some point. We'll work it out. We'll get that to another time. You in? Oh, totally. Yeah, that's great. So cool, man. Um, we'll do it with... Uh, what if it was even like a, more of a community judge thing? Like it's a film festival. Everybody gets together. Maybe the crowd votes at the end. I'm down with that. We can just host it. So uh, we'll do it with uh, Luke Hively and DBC, Dallas-based crew. Okay. They used to do a film festival up in Dallas. We'll do one down here. They'll do one up there. We'll kind of have a big scene and we'll... Because Luke and I have been talking about doing this together at some point. We'll get to that later on. Let's get back to Susan. <laughs> so Great idea. One of the things I mentioned is I love the song Imagine. Do you know that song? I don't know it well enough to do. Leave. To play. Go home. I know. Come I know back when you know But it. I am, like, that is one of my, like, all-time favorite sh- songs. I'll show you something <coughs> real quick. Um, I did a, um, 
I love graphic design and I love um, photography. I, I take pictures myself and I like, um, my sister does a lot of my pictures and she, um, so she'll give them to me and then I'll play around with them and mm -hmm. I'll edit them and all that. And I took, I took a song and I did, all right, I, sorry, I took a picture and I put like a little excerpt from the song. Yes. I, uh, her picture says, you say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I, man, that song, especially in today's climate, uh, in today's culture where, you know, social media has been great for awareness, but social media has also been great for hatred. Yeah. And, and people's hatred to each other. You know, you, all you see are people bashing on each other. Because they're hiding behind a computer screen and, and they, like some of the stuff that they say, they would never say that to somebody's face. Internet bullies. It, well, yeah, I mean, it's just coward, you know, it's, yeah. it's not That song, right. Imagine, man, you can call me a dreamer, but I, I just, I imagine a world where we can live as one. Mm -hmm. H have you seen this version of that song that I pulled up on screen I here? have not. That's, that's so new it's, to me. It's a guy who, uh, I think he was a little kid in Iraq or Afghanistan or something, but he comes up on stage and does a really, really good performance of that song. But uh, I'll, I'll put it on the, on the thread in the, in the comments so you can watch it later. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but it's a really good one. I'm sure tonight, as soon as we get done, I go through some quick post-production. It's not very long to upload everything. And while I'm doing it, I'm pretty sure I'll be listening to this song. Emmanuel Kelly, uh, Imagine. And this is on, uh, what is this on? X Britain's Factor. Got Talent. I, or maybe it could have been X Factor. Yeah, it says X Factor on the screen. Yeah, Australia yeah, right. X Factor. So uh, September 26, 2011, if you're looking it up on YouTube. Um, I can read it that far away. If it was this close, I'd need a different set of glasses. Oh, see, I'm it. the other way around. Yeah. My eyesight is terrible. <laughs> My last doctor's appointment, they recommended I get bifocals. I said I don't do both regularly because oh. I've been wearing these since I was a little kid. Yeah. So at the DZ, if you ever say hi to me from across the room, you'll notice I'll be like, hey, but unless you're up close without these, I can't tell as much. So mm -hmm. I uh, wear these at night. It makes it better. Now I have to wear reading glasses because I got old. Oh. So now we've got Susan Hickman, the artist. We've got Susan Hickman, who you, you've done good as a solo act. This new album comes out when? It'll be out. Um, we don't have an exact date, but sometime probably in August. <laughs> and how can I get a hold of this album? It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on my website. It'll be on um, Amazon. The single comes out um, June 16th. Nice. So that that you can get on iTunes right away, Amazon. I'll have copies. I'll have hard copies. So if I see hard copies, what's that? Well, like you know, the actual CD. Like just what's the, a CD? The one song. He, the one he's song. trying to make. It I help. like CDs. <laughs> I like kidding. them so much. I'm joking. Like, I, I have so much. I have so much of my friends' music, and you know they oh download this, and of course I'll download the stuff because you sure. know they'll get their ratings and stuff on iTunes. But I I'm also one of those old school people. I want the actual disc. Until about six seven years ago, I had to have the disc. I could have probably filled all of the bookshelves in here and more. I, I went to some place with crates of cds you know the the boxes like that box over there filing box for offices mm -hmm. i went to a store with boxes and boxes and boxes of cds and said i am downsizing i don't need these anymore if i want to listen to them the interweb exists mm -hmm. um i will be looking for this album online um i i don't realize how i bought a cd but i do remember the last time i bought albums because i still will occasionally oh i'm making oh albums. we're doing a couple of vinyls for just special <laughs> 
special. Uh, you killed him. Couple, I know. Shouldn't <laughs> have said vinyls. He lost. He just lost his mind. Lost his <sighs> mind. I love vinyl. I love records. They my, sound good. My dad has a ton of records, and I bought him a a, a record player for Christmas a couple years ago, and it's just cool. It's just a different old. The fidelity meat. is is you really can't match. The audio, I mean, if, if anybody's not listened to a good piece of vinyl lately, go put a put a record on a good it record player down system. It sounds so good. It's it's as analog as it gets. And anal- the part the problem with digital is it cancels out sound. Mm-hmm. And everything we listen to today is digital. And one of the big deals about MP3s is, is the files are smaller because it took out certain sounds that our ears would tune out and be okay with. Right. But we're okay with it. We still hear it in the analog signal so much better. And it's just neat. I mean, it just sounds, it's it's just such a m- more real sound. Like, I I like a lot of the old recordings. And, you know, of course, you know, as technology progresses, oh, yeah, this is so much better. This is so much better. But we've gotten to a point to where we're just perfecting all these little things that you lose a lot of the realness in the, in the recording. But... Um, luckily we don't take away all of the nuances and at the studio that I record at, um, Stormy Cooper media is where I record at and Lyndon Hughes, which was the drummer Mm -hmm. the other night with us. Um, he's my producer and he's amazing. He is literally a magic person in the studio. That's something I learned about at your show the other night is, you know, a band is a band. When I, when I hire a band, I'm going to get that band. But when I hire Susan Hickman to come play a gig, who plays with you, you have your common core, you have your common group, but they're not always available, and you actually have to play with interchangeable pieces. Oh, yeah, always. I mean, anybody on in, well, especially like this Texas music scene, I mean, if you're not, if you're not working solid, you know, three, four times a week with your band, which mm-hmm. I'm not right now, they've got to find other work. They've sure. got to, you know, my friend will call, hey, do you know anybody? Oh, yeah, my, my guy's not playing tonight you know, call him or, so, you know, there's a tight knit group of us that we literally interchange people all the time. And it's so, and it's great because everybody's professional. Everybody can read charts. Everybody can just jump right in and follow along. And and then not really only nice. do you wear different hats as far as you play with different people, Lyndon wears different hats as far as he's also a producer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he is literally the best. I mean, he's got perfect pitch. His harmonies are incredible. Um, just a killer drummer. Yeah. He's just—he's an all-around, just a great guy and a great friend too. So I'm really glad that we actually played together um, before we ever started recording together. So he played with me for a couple years, and then um, I got into the studio with him. And learning that he's a completely different person in the studio, like he's all like zen and like candles everywhere, and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> but it was really cool because it was like this vibe. I mean, you have to set a mood when sure. you're, you know, you can't just go, all right, we're just cutting vocals or we're, you mm. know, it's, it's really neat. So he's, he's definitely, um, honed his craft. Mm-hmm. So you haven't been playing much cause you're putting this new album together. Um, Something I really enjoy every year, and anybody who ever is from the Houston area knows the Houston Rodeo is a huge deal. But along with the Houston Rodeo is the Houston uh, Barbecue Cook-Off. Yes. And I, I've i been to the Barbecue Cook-Off I don't know how many times. I've been to a bunch. Valerie gets a lot of tickets. And when we got to go this year with some friends, 
And I never realized there's a stage in the middle of the cook-off. Yeah. That, if you've never been people to the rodeo cook-off, it is ridiculously large. Yeah. The rodeo cook-off, I, I, it's, it's just unfathomable. Have you been, Nick, to the rodeo cook-off? No, I never have. I haven't been to any of the rodeo events. First the co- of all. The cook-off is chaos. There is so much stuff going on. Yeah, a thousand plus tents. Now, I say a thousand plus tents. Some of the tents are two or three or four combined, but literally over a thousand slots. Um, you could spend the entire night walking up and down the row of tents, and you could just spend the night doing that. Mm-hmm. There, uh, a lot of them are VIP interests. Next year, I'll have to get us some tickets to go. But there, there are deep fried Oreos at yes. this event, I've oh, heard. Oh, Is that true? And Chicken deep fried, and waffles, deep, deep fried, fried Snickers. Yeah, is there anything that exists that isn't there and deep fried? Dude, it, we're in the South. Everything's deep fried. I think they got deep fried poop. No, man, I would go. I would. I would go there. My first experience of the rodeo, the Sam, my girlfriend, uh, when we first started dating, she lived right over by Energy Stadium. Mm-hmm. So I knew that if the rodeo was in town, it was just a mess in that whole area. Just stay away. So yeah, I just stayed away. And, yeah. Uh, I was I was in a rodeo once. I think did we talk about this before? No. I feel like I mentioned this on the no. podcast. Yeah, when I was a little boy, I was probably seven years old. Did you do mutton busting? Mutton busting, oh yes. My I gosh. Did. It was awesome. I uh, held on to that sheep for all eight seconds and then I flew off and it knocked the wind out of me. I had a little football helmet on. People who are listening to this who don't know what mutton busting is, it, it is awesome, man. You take a little kid, you put a little full face helmet on him so he's protected, and you throw him on a sheep and he hangs on for <laughs> dear life <laughs> as he runs. I remember the moment where the, the door swung open, uh-huh. and my stepdad at the time was standing in the in the stall as well, and the door swung open, and nothing happened for like maybe half of a second. And that half of a second took a really long time because I was super nervous. And so the door opened, and I was like, oh, nothing bad's going to happen. And then my stepdad just smacks this thing on the ass, and it just started going. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I remember being super terrified. Everything was super dark except for these bright lights shining down on me. But uh, Please tell me and- you have video. No, man. I was, oh, man. Mm, we, didn't ha- we didn't have cameras when, when I was a kid. Yeah, they actually etched everything in stone with exactly. chisels. Right. Like the Ten Commandments were no. his videos. Yeah, we didn't. No, we just as a family, we didn't really have a lot of cameras around. Like even oh, pictures yeah. as a kid, I don't have many. And like video cameras, like we were we were poor. We didn't no, have video dude, cameras. We didn't, we didn't have video cameras around when I was a kid either. It's it's not necessarily a poor thing. It was a technology thing at right. that point. I remember my mom, she she bought a video camera and we all thought it was the like the craziest thing. It was just this big honking weird thing with the yeah. the the cassette dad at things. one point had bought a video camera and you actually had to carry the deck over your shoulder oh. to record oh. so we never used that sucker no. it, it just it was what it was See, this is back when people actually had to uh watch live events with their eyeballs instead of staring at their phone while, yeah. they're, while they're doing it dude you that's know? that drives me nuts valerie and i went on our honeymoon to new zealand and the one thing i had to find myself doing is i actually i love photography i did a lot of photography growing up i actually had to put my camera down to enjoy the scene mm-hmm. not through a viewfinder mm-hmm. yeah you know that's a hard thing uh, sam travels a lot uh-huh. and uh, i i don't know I, I get i think it's a little diluted when someone travels and just takes pictures and they share all that stuff i think it just takes away from like are you really doing this for your enjoyment of it or, or are you doing else's. this to show everybody how great your life is? So like when it comes to like doing selfies and sharing pictures, I have a really hard time doing all that because I question even my own motives for wanting to share it. It's like is it do I want to share this because I really value it or do I want to share it because I want someone to see this and think a certain thing? Right. Which like I think usually almost the only the only things I share are skydiving things on on social media just because 
I got to do something with all the video that I shoot, right? <laughs> and I think that skydiving, for people who don't skydive, it's impossible to really understand, you know, what's going on up there without without the video. Yeah. And it's right. like, those are those are for sure, you know, the, the best times of my life have happened in, you know, the couple miles around Rocheron, Texas, up in the sky. Like, that's been the, the highlight. But as far as, like, pictures of, you know, the food that I had at this restaurant, at oh, this dude. place, it's like... I have a really hard time feeling okay about wanting to to share that stuff because I feel like it's you're just looking for this really cheap sort of validation. Yeah, I took I don't know how many pictures on our honeymoon, but have you ever seen them? No, no. I, so. I took the picture to share the memories with Val and I. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference when you're taking those pictures and those memories for yourself versus when you're sharing them with everybody else. And right, but I do think that that's a really important moment to put the phone down and be like, hey, this is a thing. Like I'm gonna enjoy this thing happening. Quit trying to preserve the memory with my phone, and I'm just gonna be there for a second. Yeah. And yeah. I think that those moments uh, become. Like, I I almost took a picture of a traffic accident the other day, and I was like, God, I'm an asshole. Like, like, <laughs> Somebody's suffering. Who, who would I even show this to, right. other than to complain to whoever wanted to listen about why I was late to work or whatever it was? Yeah. It's like God. That's like I wonder how much of this traffic delay that I've sat in for the last ninety minutes is because that there were a bunch of other shitheads like me who were taking pictures of this accident because there was a it was on two eighty eight when an eighteen or a eighteen wheeler yeah a big truck was flipped on its side. And right blocking all lanes of traffic, and there were a couple of different news helicopters that came through. And as I passed it, I almost I almost <laughs> slowed down even more to take the picture. And uh, wow. but yeah, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. We but uh, I didn't take it. We live life behind a camera, and and the camera. Some of the pictures I I do like those selfies. But back to the Houston rodeo. First of all, you've been by it. Picture from the stadium, basically the whole south parking lot south of the stadium. That entire stretch is barbecue tents. Wow. Yeah, it's, there's like a carnival thing that goes on there, too. It yeah. goes right? with it as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, the the cook-off is a private entrance. You have to get tickets to each one. Next year, I'll get us tickets. I get tickets to this regularly. Actually, Adrian Grazia, the owner over there, yep. he uh, got us tickets this last year. Uh, Robert, our, our the manager of the Speakeasy, we all went together as a group. So myself, Valerie, and about eight people from Grazia's all went to uh, the rodeo. I mean, I think we could make this pretty interesting. <laughs> if, if we're going to plan this far ahead, we could have a contest to see who can gain the most weight in a day at the rodeo cook-off. I'm trying to lose weight. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not trying to gain weight. But it's, that's and it's terrible there because everything smells good. Yeah, everything tastes good, and everything except for the actual meat of the barbecue is bad for you. Yeah, and. You, you have to get in each of these private tents, but we go with a big enough group that everybody knows a different tent to get yeah. into. So we you end up being able to eat like seven or eight meals, and you're <laughs> drinking free the entire night. And then when you're done, you go to all the rides where they got deep fried Oreos and chicken and waffles, and you're like, yep. I can eat more. So good old Southern American food. So <laughs> in the middle of all this, they have a stage. And I didn't know that till this year. Yeah. And people play. Have you ever played the rodeo cook-off? I've never played that. I've never played the big stage. Okay, that's that's one of the that's one of the goals. But I've had a lot of friends that have. So have you played any of the tents there? Oh yeah. Okay, because I say there is. Oh yeah. Off they have a um, they have a big. Um, it is a public tent. Um, it's a bi- it's called the Rock and Rodeo Saloon. Yep. It's like it's huge. I mm-hmm. played um, I played that, and then I played several. You know, like the private tents. Yeah, the Rock and Rodeo Saloon. That's that's your general admission eat place, right? Um, no, it's just, okay. it's like dancing and, and booze. And okay. I was thinking of the wrong of place. 
Because if you it's go- it's cl- it's close to there, like the, the the general admission place, and then it's kind of off to the side. It's okay. I think it's where they put the hideout during the actual rodeo. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, Nick, we got to go to the rodeo next year in general, man. The cookoff is one thing; the rodeo is another. They're abutted against each other. You know, one ends, the other begins. You know, I think uh, Benja showed me video of the inside of the rodeo, and if I remember, there were fireworks going on inside yeah. that yes. building. And yeah. I think that's that was the. I mean, I don't know that I'm super intrigued by the the animal parts of the of the rodeo. Yeah, because I think some of it gets a little bit cruel. Sure, but uh, I'll go for those fireworks, dude. The the entire show itself, because you know a lot of it is fun. A lot of it's good. You get to see kids mutton busting, so you have like some flashbacks. Yeah. I wanted to do that uh, so bad when I, will, I was little. I'll do. Should I? Should I? Will they let me? Will they let me still? <laughs> Well, it's five year olds, and you'll pass. Yeah, I can get under that height res- height requirement for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then every rodeo ends with a concert every night, mm-hmm. and they have all sorts of artists. Uh, Valerie and I have seen Blake Shelton there, I think, like three different times. Oh, cool. Uh, Blake, I love Blake. Just mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorites. Um, so you haven't played the big stage, but it is a goal. Oh yeah. You've got to let me know. I'd love to see you there next year. Whatever time you're playing there, we will show up. Cool. We had no clue there were concerts yeah. going on every night. And then during the during the actual rodeo for the month long, you know, the rodeo uh, season, they have you know, they have more regional acts at the hideout and at the wine garden. <laughs> so we played at the wine garden um, this here th- this past that's year that's outside the 4-H I don't know what to call the building but the building where all the 4-H stuff is going on um, where yeah. they have all the displays yes. and the expos yeah the center yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, don't ever know what to call the buildings the place well, I go actually if you notice our area rugs in the living room and our runner that's all rodeo stuff oh okay so we buy some of like we, we like to buy things from the rodeo this is from the Ren Fest we, we like to yeah know, support those little weird local things yeah um, that's good uh, that's I'm a huge supporter of local. Yes, it's, I am it's, too. It's, it's huge. Um, so, by the way, just so you do know, uh, that song did go out live. I actually got a message from one of my buddies, Luke Watson. So, Lucas, what's up, man? Uh, or commonly known to me as a gamer nerd is Colbert um, <laughs> or Calbert. Ooh, the whole controversy to his name. But he, he sent me a message and said it was absolutely beautiful. Oh, cool. I, I think if you refresh this, the, the stream, I think you get like five or ten seconds of it at a time before that something went wrong message comes up. I think he got most of it, man. Really? Based off that message, I'm wondering. I think he did. Awesome. So I'm not 100% sure. Um, Colbert, Calbert, he'll send me a couple uh, messages, text, stuff like that. He, uh, He's a, you know, my gaming nerd friends. Yeah. So not just skydivers listen to this gaming nerd. you got to meet my sister. She is such a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you know Chara in the office? Yeah. Gaming nerd. Really? Dude, her and, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't think it to look at her. Dude, her and I have sat and like, if I'm in the office talking with her, bet money, we're talking about gaming and you'll probably win the bet. It's uh, her and I have gotten along great. We were playing the same phone game. We're in the same clan on a phone game. Oh she my plays gosh! Some of the, uh, PlayStation games I play, but she's on Xbox, so we get along great. So Susan Hickman, that artist, is one person, but there's another artist to Susan Hickman, and it's a group, the Daughters. Yeah. Who are the Daughters? The Daughters are two of my very, very closest friends, um, Mandy Powell, which we've known each other forever, and we met through music. Morgan McKay is, um, we also met through music, and it's cool that we were able to take our friendship and actually, um, there, there used to be another member to the Daughters, but, um, you know, we've kind of, we drifted apart, you know, priorities changed, you know, 
lives so went when you different say directions. different members, it was more than three, or it's been there was there was another member before. So there was oh. four. You're breaking things. <laughs> I'm breaking Susan. things. Yeah, before, and then we we took a long time to figure out who our third daughter was going to be. Okay. And so um, earlier or later last year. We announced Morgan McKay, and we just have fun. I mean, it's really, like, we play together, you know, periodically anyway, so we're like, why don't, I mean, why not? And try to do something with it, and so we're trying to write, and we're trying to do some stuff. We, You know, some people call it, like I said, a, a side project. It's just, um, it's something that we like to do. We like each other's company, and we like uh, playing music together, so, you know, why not try to do something with it? And it's uh, the Bull 103. Is that where the voting yes. takes place? Cool. Yes. So I, I put both of those links, a link to the daughters and a link to the Bull 103 where, where people can vote cool. for you. So yeah. anyone uh, watching this video on Facebook later, since the stream's not working, uh, check those out for sure. If you're listening to the podcast itself, go to Gravity Lab Radio's Facebook page, and you'll see all these links there as well. Um, so one thing that interests me is you say, what's the third girl's name again? Morgan. Morgan. How hard I, I was on a skydiving team, team in the late '90s, and finding a third teammate because we were a three-person team, finding a third teammate was quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. How challenging is that in the music world? Um, it's it's whew, it's really challenging because especially like in the skydiving world, you know, you deal with a lot of A-type personalities. Sure, and that's the, kind of the same way in um, in the music world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of um, well, I say a type personalities. There's a lot of there's a lot of clashes that happen in with musicians. You know, it's you know any anybody from like your band to you know your your sound person to everybody has to figure out how to mesh to take their own priorities on their own path and figure out how to you know connect with each other. We're breaking stuff left and right. <laughs> you see it just go droopy on me? No, I actually where I was leaning Ew. back, I didn't see the microphone. I just saw the look on your face. And uh, I, I, could, just I could tell that right something here. had fallen flat, but I wasn't sure what it here. was. I just did that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So no, but but finding that that third person, it really like we we kind of looked and we kind of you know thought about some people, and then um, it's just kind of one day like it just kind of happened. We're like, um, she's our third member, and we're like, yeah. Yeah, we were taught as a skydiving team. Uh, don't pick a skydiver to join you. Pick somebody you can go out and drink with. And that really is about how we did it. You know, my buddy Eric Piazza and I, we, we would skydive. We'd come to the drop zone that weekend, and we'd say, hey, yo, Nick, man, why don't you come do a jump with us? And after that one jump, we're like, hey, let's jump with him again. And after it done jumping, hey, bro, we're going to go out beer. tonight and drink. Yeah. Come drink with us. Whether they could come or not, we didn't care um, as much as we set up to like, well, what about next weekend? And the following weekend, we actually went out and we didn't skydive. We just went out and partied together for the entire weekend. And I mean, at this point, I'm in my mid-20s, so we partied. We had a good time and we found who could fit in the best with us. You know, we, whether we went to one of Eric's favorite strip clubs was a joint called Captain Creams in Orange County. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Captain Creams. What a great name. And whether we went to Captain Creams with a dude or whether we went someplace else, we found our teammate best by who could we hang out with after right. hours is that the same thing in music it really kind of is i mean with 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 morgan we are really lucky because she's very very talented so it's it's nice that we all get along we all like each other we really enjoy each other's company um our schedules are kind of crazy because you know we all have our own separate <coughs> thing so getting together is a little bit challenging um so we're trying to work on that so we can get some stuff written and we can get you know, some, some music out there to radio. 
because that's a huge priority too. So hey, I've got some good news. It looks like the stream's working. Oh my God, Facebook, Yay! Mark Zuckerberg, you hey! can finally work. Congratulations. Hey. Hi, Facebase. Y'all can uh, go buy stock again. Yeah, yeah, you can go back, man. MySpace, screw you. We're back to FaceSpace. We're good. FaceSpace. Um, face so have you guys, A, done any real gigs together? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've, we have we actually played the Wine Garden at the Rodeo. And okay. We've, we've played Firehouse Saloon. We play some smaller stuff. We That's over by the stadium, isn't it? It's got mm-hmm. an old fire truck that's kind of like a wall. It's uh, It's on Fountain View. Okay, maybe yeah, that's yeah. the place. That's the ballpark area I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, and album, you guys are working on that. We're working on that. That is a work in progress, and you, we're we're definitely trying to get together more and write and and rehearse some stuff. And but the show is pretty much down. Like we we've got some really cool stuff that yeah we've practiced and we've we've done some stuff you know off stage, but really on stage is kind of when it comes together. You know, our last show, we, we played out at this little place in um, Mont Bellevue. We called The Barn. It's just a really cool place. This, this you played guy, there a bunch, I think. Yeah, this guy uh, took his man cave and turned it into a public venue. And it's like, yes. it's like everything is just like real wood. Like it, it looks kind of like a, I don't know, like a, like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just very, it doesn't look like a bar. It's it's like a living room. It's like a like a really cool. Everything is just big, huge wood and like a like a library. One of the rooms looks like a library. He's got these huge big screen TVs, all these pool tables, and like theater, like old theater type seating. Um, really really cool place. So we played there and we just had a killer show. It was a lot a lot of fun. We'll have to come check it out at some point. It's it's something I'm definitely interested in. Um, kind of a little bit odd timing. My my goal was for you to play a couple songs, and I might ask you to play more than a couple, mm-hmm. just because we've really been missing out on that Facebook audience. And I know a lot of people. Hold on one second, man. Marion Sparks just joined. Marion, your timing's perfect. Marion, something I want to let you know is 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 it okay? Can I say? Yeah, it? sure. Marion, I've talked to Susan, and we really think it would be a wonderful idea and a wonderful plan if maybe. Uh, Susan can play at the Jump for the Rose mini boogie. So we're going to see what we can do to get everybody together. Uh, Mr. P's got something to say there about it's it. It's not a mini boogie anymore, all right? You know what? <laughs> we gave that shit up. We gave that shit up. That is right. So, Mary Sparks, your boogie, the, the Jump for the Rose boogie, we're going to see what we can do to get everybody there. And awesome is her response. So we're Yay! definitely going to get it. Um, and she knows the bar and whiskey, uh, the bar... Whiskey Bar. Yes. Yeah. Is So she knows that place as well. Cool. So we'll definitely get this tied together. But since we've got a lot of people just joining us, why don't you go ahead and get that little uh, thing together for oh, us again, if you don't I'd, mind. I'm going to hate this if this is true, if this just froze again. Oh, it just froze again. Oh. Yay, Mark Zuckerberg. I Hang freaking on. hate you, Are man. We back up? I think we're up. Yeah, I think I think we're just, just lagging here and there. All right, we're good. Really, the purpose of this is to save my voice and let people listen to you sing, not me, rasp and cough and wheeze. So, so well, do you have a favorite place to play right now? Um, I've got a lot of favorite places. I love the barn. Like the, I like it because. Oh shoot! I broke it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at that. I fall down a lot and I break stuff. Awesome. <laughs> That's why we skydive. Make a good right? skydiver. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. I shouldn't admit that. Um, I like the barn. I like it because it's close to my house. Um, well. For the time being, it's close to my house. Um, let's see. There's a lot of venues that I really like. I love Firehouse Saloon. Um, we play there every now and then. 
You're off there. Apparently, one there of our favorite uh, new venues is going to be Skydive Spaceland, Houston, at the uh, and Marion said we dropped many. So Nick, you did your job and convinced her of that. So do you have an idea of what you're going to be playing next here? Um, I don't know. Y'all want a fast one or a slow one? You want? Uh, I'll let y'all pick. Mr. P, where do you want fast or slow? Gosh, I think if you play a slow one, you're going to make me cry. Okay. Slow it is. So Should we make you cry? You can try. It you can give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you I mean, pick- unless you're really feeling the energy, you want to go. Don't let me stop you from doing a fast one. Okay. You're, well, you're the artist here. While you're thinking about that, I'll tell people who are watching this. This week, we're doing something a little bit different, a little bit special. We're actually running two podcasts this week, which for my voice is going to be super wonderful. Um, but we have a guy named Judson who's in town. Judd is visiting from Panama City, Florida. A super nice dude. Got to meet him. He has about 230-ish jumps right now. And he is uh, partially paralyzed. He is a partial paraplegic. And he skydives. And so many of our friends say, I can't do this. People will tell somebody who's partially paralyzed he can't skydive. And Judson said, no, mm-hmm. sir, I can. And what an inspiration. You've met him this week. Yeah, super kind fellow. And I can't wait to share his story. So Thursday night, we're going to have Judson in. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to be super awesome. But what are you going to play? I am going to play... I'll play a slow one. Have at it. Uh, It's called Out of Love. This will be on the new CD. So uh, new for a lot of us to hear then. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote this last... uh, Actually, let's see. Last... Year before last.
Five three. That comes out of a five three person. That, <laughs> like, I close my eyes if you sing, and you're a giant. Your voice is so huge. I absolutely love it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank well, you. Then listen to it. Thank do, you. Do you want the good news or the bad news? Uh, the bad news. Uh, the bad news is the stream just died. Yay! No! The good news awesome. is it was working the whole uh, of that song, so that's great. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we even had a uh, couple people uh, comment. Quite a few people, actually, a couple people. Uh, Marion Sparks applause. Couple, another gal, uh, Daniel, amazing. Uh, Barbara Ann Miles McGraw, beautiful. So we definitely have got a few people who who have joined in. Yay! Uh, Nick, I do want to give you a little bit of a warning. So one thing that we've done is we actually have intro and outro music. You know, we've gone out and you, you heard the beginning. We've got voiceovers. Yeah. And, people don't work. and in the few times we've used it, Nick has accidentally let the intro play until the outro because I had him on one album. Hey, you know what? I got to lead in <laughs> with the video. I got to adjust the mic volume. There's a lot happening at that moment. All right. It's not just I my fault. I set you up for failure. I actually set it up to lead that way. So I'll, I'll take partial blame. <laughs> so today we actually successfully played it and we got the outro set up. I will warn you. My plan today is to actually exit with you. That's a a far better plan. I I don't. We don't need our outro music. So the last song we close with will be. I hope you don't mind. Cool. No, not at all. Playing us out. Yeah. Can't think of a better way to end. Um, Marion Sparks actually asks at some point, and this is a great segue, Marion. So thank you. One of the things I want to know more about, and and I want to talk to you more at some point about your music. And actually, once your album comes out, maybe we'll have you back in, and we'll we'll do some more of this and talk about the music. Yeah. Um, Is the skydiver in you? You're a new jumper. 
Yes. And one of the things to me that's very important, and I really wanted to have a new jumper on the show at some point, is I think new jumpers need some validation. As a new skydiver, we're timid. As a new skydiver, we sometimes feel special, like, oh, my God, I feel this way. Oh, my God, nobody, no, well, I don't need anybody to know how I feel. Excuse me, I'm having, I've been sipping on Robitussin all night, and it's giving me a, a little bit of, yeah, a football thorough. Sorry, you're feeling a little uh, drowsy, are you? Uh, <laughs> no drowsy. This is not the drowsy <laughs> version, but it gives me a little bit of indigestion. Oh, gotcha. So I keep going. Oh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm tasting it the second and third time. Oh, Oh, yummy. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds delicious. It tastes awesome the first time. Can I get right? a shot of that? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm good. <laughs> Dude, this, man, this is my second. I'm about to be on my third bottle if this keeps up. Um, I, I think it's important other jumpers understand as a new jumper, you don't feel different. What you're feeling is okay and what you're feeling is all right. Mm -hmm. So Marion asks, how many skydives do you have now? I believe I'm trying to update my, my log book <laughs> because I... Uh, I uh, just took my B test. I'm trying to get everything up to date. Up to date, but I think I have 86. I'm pretty sure it's 85 or 86. 86. So you're, yeah. you're right around there. Yeah. What do you mean you're trying to update my my logbook's up to date? It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Like it's, it's not it's not really all that bad. But no, no. I'm trying to. Do you, do you know how many jumps you have, DJ? 8,255. Hmm. Hold on. Let me check my altimeter. <laughs> no, no, not my altimeter. In this bag. What's he fishing uh -huh. out? Oh, nice. You really do. Man, I don't... See, I really don't have a paper log book right it's now. It's hard for me to do the paper. Like, I, I'm a digital person, like, when it comes to... So, I'm such a liar. My log book's out of date. My oh. last two jumps aren't in here. So, my last two jumps Gosh, are wing shoot jumps good. with Anthony Kimball. So, those aren't in there. So, I have 8,253 in my log book. I actually have 8,255. And I have 121 hours, 44 minutes, and 59 minutes of free fall logged. Add two minutes and 40 seconds to that because of the last two jumps. They were both wingsuits, so they're a little bit longer. So um, I can tell you who each jump with was with. I can tell you when I jumped with each person, uh, who I was training. I still... On every jump? On the majority of them. That's huh. cool. Um, I do miss some of the names. If I jump with the same person over and over again, chances are I'm going to miss them. But hold so on. How, how often do you update that logbook, DJ? Um, about every two weeks, I go back and I update my logbook. And anybody who's in skydiving, you know, there's rules and there's regulations about logbooks. And here's what I got to say. Fuck the rules and fuck the regulations. Uh, my boy, Heath Richardson, was out of skydiving for seven years. We didn't see each other for 11 years. And when we got to hook and hang out together one night after that hiatus, man, when did we make our first jump together? And him and I figured out it was 2008. And I reached into my closet, and Nick, that closet behind you is all my logbooks. And I was able to actually pull out my logbook and say, oh, my God, here's the date we made our first jump together. Here's who was on the jump. That's so cool. The stories we told that night from that one page of a logbook was well, well worth it. That one night, that one thing. And, Nick, I'll tell you, the last time you and I jumped together <laughs> actually was the end of the last logbook because this job logbook starts at 8,001. The last log week ended at 8,000, so I can't tell you the exact date because I have to go pick up that old log book. So um, forget the rules and regulations to logging, but I can tell you right now, Zach Boyd did his first STP jump on April 15th, 2016. Um, he did uh, three jumps that day with myself and with Jason Hyder. I could tell you what I was flying, what we were jumping, everything. And so fuck the rules. This is a journal to me, man. Mm. I, I don't care. Like I, we got, but man, the memories in this. I, I coincidentally turned to Zach's jump. 
but that's got a lot of meaning to me. Mm-hmm. So keep this thing, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I was pretty diligent up until I had 500 jumps and had a D license. And then, you know, I was uh, working in skydiving not long thereafter. So it just, uh, you know, you start shooting tandem video after tandem video. Just wasn't that exciting of a thing to write down anymore. I will tell you, I don't always know who I'm jumping with because when I was doing nonstop work, the logbook would say T for tandem, TV for tandem video. Nick, you actually have an easy shortcut today. You have a little device in your helmet, the ProTrack 2. Go buy a paralog key for like 100 bucks. Plug your freaking ProTrack 2 through micro USB into your computer. Download it at the click of a button. Give me your phone. I sign the screen. You have a signed logbook entry. So the only thing that's missing... Is who you jumped with, but you at least keep all the information. Yeah. So if you're lazy about tracking, modern technology has made it easy to keep up. See, I think I need to do that, and when I need the paper logs, because I know don't, you need paper logs for to get signed off, like on radio. So and it depends who you ask. Yeah. the The regulations say you have to have this information. The regulations don't say in what format. Some DZs, some instructors say it must be in a paper logbook. Nowhere does it say it can't be digital. I accept digital. I would be so much better at a digital log. If you use some of the modern technology, you use a, a, a modern audible altimeter, you actually plug it into your computer, you hand me your phone and say sign jump 85 through 87, boom, one signature on your screen. If you show me a digital logbook with a digital signature, I'll accept it every day of the week because that's more than most of my friends have. Wow. So you no longer have an excuse. Hit up Vulcan, buy a ProTrack 2. Ah, free yeah. advertising for Vulcan there. Right. Um, did I do something nice for Vulcan? Uh, probably not recently. Okay, well, that was it. He gets it. <laughs> 86 <laughs> jumps. When did you start skydiving? Uh, when did I start STP or when did I make my first one? Both. Yeah, both. Yeah. Okay. Stereo. I started, I, I my first tandem was on November 7th, 2014. <coughs> and. Was there an occasion for your jump? <laughs> there was. Um. Yeah, there was. It was my anniversary. Um, the second one, I okay. I'll I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll walk you through the whole thing. Okay, so on the way down there, scared to death. I've always wanted to skydive, always, but I never had really anybody to go with. I wasn't going to go by myself. The one time that I did have the opportunity to go, I had a show. And one of my friends was going and just didn't work out. So we went shaking and terrified. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to jump out of an airplane. And the experience was wonderful. I had, um, I cannot remember his name. He went back to, um, I think he lived in Chile. Oh, Benja probably? Yes, yes. Love Benja. Ben Jovi? He made me feel so comfortable and just, you know, telling jokes and, you know, just, making me feel comfortable and taking my mind off of the fact that I am really having a hard time just. So um, we jumped and I I literally like I hit the ground and I went back in and I bought my second one because I knew it was something that I wanted to do again. So about. um, What was it about that first jump that made you like, I I, got to do this? It was it wasn't at all what I was expecting at all. Like I was thinking. Oh, I like roller coasters, so I'm going to love this. It wasn't like a roller coaster. You, I didn't get that, you know, that that, you know, that weird feeling in your stomach after you jump out. It just it was it was peaceful and it was quiet and I didn't think about anything else at all until I hit the ground. It's 
a lot of uh, a lot of the people watching this are skydivers, but you got to remember some of these people aren't skydive, never have skydived. Right. And that's I, I want them to understand what you just said, man. You don't get that roller coaster. You don't get that transitional feel right. because and we're not that, changing. Yeah, and that nauseating feeling and that yeah. like the you know the the weird G force. I mean, it wasn't like that at all. It was just it was peaceful. And if if you can, I mean, I was wearing a, I wasn't wearing a, a full face helmet. So I mean, it the, it was it was like you could hear the wind, but it was it was a it was a peaceful quiet almost. It was yeah. I don't know really how to. Ex- you put it into words. Those who have can't explain. Those mm-hmm. who have it don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's like explaining sex to a virgin. <laughs> right. That is skydiving in a nutshell. So about a year later, I went back. Uh, it actually, it was in January, and it was so cold. Went <laughs> back. But once you jump out, you don't even know that it's cold. It's no big deal. See, and I totally agree with that, but sometimes we have people who jump in like June and they're like, Oh my God, it was so cold up there. Uh, well, yeah, maybe it's a few, a few degrees cooler than it was on the ground, but it just feels yeah, like turning the AC on a little yeah. bit. It's, it's glorious. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that January jumping out of the airplane feeling. Yeah. We, Especially when you're close to the door, that, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I feel that now, but when you're a new jumper, you don't always feel it. Right. So, um, yeah. So then that day I bought my, my ground school, and it took me a while to actually convince myself that I was going to get my license. And did you just see Hank's sorry, comment? Yeah, I just saw Hank's comment. I lost it. What did he say? He said, "I wish someone could explain sex to me." <laughs> oh God! Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, Cheryl. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, I love you, Hank. That sorry, is too that funny. was great. Oh my gosh! Yeah, totally just. Totally uh, interrupted your flow there. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> so you brought, we both just started laughing. <laughs> yeah, DJ saw the look. I, on I can't see the comments because I'm I'm seriously blind. Yeah, but. I also am cheating. I I'm, I'm mirroring. That oh, over okay. Here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got so, the iPod or the yeah. So the I tablet. did this for a while, and this is only the second time we've done that. We we just brought this. That's into a great idea. So you can kind of see what everything looks People. like. So you bought your ground school the same day. Yes. Thanks, Hank. Thanks. <laughs> um. Bought that the same day, and I literally did not start my ground school until, when was it? It was like June. And I'll tell you, I went, uh, I flew in the tunnel for a little while with Jay, being mm-hmm. all, and he helped me so much in my confidence and making me feel like I was more secure, I guess, because I wanted to feel like I was in charge. I did it, you know, like I, I, I was in control. Um, we did a couple, he, he, he did a couple tandems with me. Um, you know, we, we, you know, talked about canopy stuff. I was worried about the canopy. I was worried. I'm like, I'm supposed to fly this thing myself. That is one thing I wish people would understand. That is the most common complaint I hear as an instructor. That's the most common complaint we, we, we hear all the time. People aren't. People are afraid of the door. People are afraid of leaving the airplane. People are afraid of free fall. People mm-hmm. are afraid of malfunctions. The number one thing we hear is, I'm afraid to fly and land a parachute by myself. Right. And that was a big hang up with me because I'm like, I can fall. I can fall from the sky. You know, I can I can, I can, can stay kind of stable and I'll, I know I'll be fine. But how am I supposed to get back to the drop zone? And it was just all of these things that were going through my head, like how can, like how I'm gonna spot the drop zone, and then I'm just supposed to know where to go once I open. Like I have a, I'm not directionally challenged, but like the women whole, drivers, no survivors. <laughs> I mean, I, I I know my I know 
you know, my, I know my direction, but the whole north, south, east, and west thing, mm-hmm. and you know, oh, the wind is coming in from the southwest. Like I, mm-mm. no, nothing. I mean, free. now I, I have to know that, sure. and I've been taught that. But first going in there, I was very uncomfortable. So, um, so I want hold on one second. I want to pause on this because back to a lot of new jumpers hear this. Yeah, <clears throat> and wait a minute. You mean it's normal for people to feel this way? Oh yeah. If I if I if I had not probably sp- spent time with Jay and and to, to where I felt like okay if if these people over here are doing it then surely I can do it and I'm I'm a, I'm a very capable individual I believe and I think it was just getting getting out of my own head mm-hmm. and having somebody else reassure me hey. <laughs> You can do this, and these thoughts and these feelings are completely normal. I mean, it's it's kind of an unnatural thing, just you know, yeah. falling toward the earth. If I had to tell a new jumper to get over the direction they challenge issues, I would say forget north, south, east, and west. Just think about it, the winds coming from the top of the drop zone, the bottom of the drop zone, mm-hmm. the left of the drop zone, the right of the drop yes. zone. Susan has had this issue. Marion Sparks has spoke up. She had this issue. I don't know how many students I've said had this issue. And, and instructors, first of all, help these people understand this. You don't have to understand north, south, east, and west. Initially, we'll get you there. Right. Did you get there? Yes. Think of the drop zone as a top, bottom, left, and right. And almost mm-hmm. everybody could picture that. Right. And then think, do I need to be at the top or the bottom, the left or the right? And so those of you who are having problems with that, think of it that way. And, and again, I don't want you to feel... Like you're not special because we are special in our own unique ways. We're snowflakes. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's okay that you feel this way. It's normal. So you're worried about flying parachute by yourself. Sorry. I, I no. So so I'm worried about that. So we did, let me think. We did two or three more tandems. So I have five tandems. And I just wanted to, I wanted to do, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Just, just so I... Jay just wanted to strap you to him. <laughs> no, but I learned a lot, you know. Oh, I, yeah. Like, and you know the, I don't know the that the last one. I I wanted to I wanted to feel like I was in control because sure. it's just it's it. I had I had to feel that, and so between that and the tunnel, we did. I think the first jump, the STP jump in September, maybe. And then got through it pretty quick. I got um, I got licensed in the very beginning of November, and now it's not even a hesitation thing. Like I never thought I'd be able to stand at the ledge of an airplane and ju- and myself jump out. I never thought in a million years that would happen. So, how much tunnel time did you have before you made that first SCP jump? Um, like an hour or two. Oh wow! Okay, that's awesome. That's yeah, that's a super I didn't realize good starting that. point. Yeah. So when when I uh, when I first started jumping. I there there wasn't a wind tunnel near me, and I think I just had a, a big misunderstanding of what skydiving was all about. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was just about jumping out of airplanes and doing some flips and being being gnarly. You know, I just thought that's what it was. Yeah. And I think it probably took until maybe I had twenty or thirty jumps until I realized <laughs> that it was kind of something else. That it was a 
you know, a thing that I wanted to be good at and a thing that you weren't just good at automatically. Right. And I think that the tunnel is really helpful in uh, kind of humbling people to that fact of like, hey, you actually suck at this. <laughs> like, this is a difficult thing that no one, well, not no one, but that not many people are inherently good at. Right. Like, that's what I really, really love about skydiving. As a as a sport, I was just talking to, uh, to someone about this the other, the other day, but like, you could have someone who, if, like, if fighting is your sport, you can have someone who's just a big, tough, brutal sort of guy who's just inherently a little bit good at fighting, who could do a little better in a fight against someone with a little bit of skill. But with skydiving, flying, especially flying in the tunnel, that's just not possible. You're never going to have someone who hops in the tunnel for the first time and is just, as, you know, that can a hang. shining star. Yeah, I mean, you might have someone that takes to it a little faster than somebody else, but yeah, you're not going to have old. someone jump in on their yeah. head on the first try, right? just not gonna it's just not gonna happen so that's what i like about flying is that you have to learn and uh, and earn every bit of it so your your understanding of skydiving now how how is it different from what you thought skydiving was after that first jump there's so many dimensions to it like you said you know when you first started or whatever there you know you just thought it was you know one thing you know falling from the sky there's so many dimensions to it you know there's um there's formation flying, there's free flying, there's all this stuff. And like, I'm the kind of person where I just want to just open up my brain and just come on, come on information, come on. And I have to remember the journey getting there is more important than how much I know right now at this particular, like experiencing everything. Like I, I'm trying to take everything in and, um, apply it at the level that I am now. Because I mean I am I'm a baby jumper compared to, like I I've been I've been skydiving for a couple of months with a license you know that's yeah. and I've got a couple you know I've got under 100 jumps, um, but I'm always trying to learn I'm always trying to to, to gain knowledge and, and figure out new applications to where I can practice safely, <laughs> sure. you know the 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 techniques and the and the um, the different the different jumps and different stuff like that but um my tunnel time has definitely helped me a lot a lot so you're sitting here a few months down the road 86 jumps and there are quite a few jumpers right now who are beyond you but there's quite a few behind you still mm-hmm. who are just now in the student program wherever they're jumping who are just now getting their license two months down the road doesn't seem like a lot but at the same time You've got a different mindset. What would you tell somebody, or e- even what would you tell Susan Hickman 50 jumps ago? What would you give yourself advice to to get where you're at now? I would tell her to stop thinking so much. Skydiving is as hard as you make it, people. The harder you try, the harder it is. Yeah. And man, Nick, you've flown with me. When I get stiff and try too hard, when we were on our head, that's that's where I get bad. That, that's where everyone feels. I mean, that's where, yeah. that's the hardest thing. I mean, I just like shooting a gun, you know, when your nerves are jacked and you're actually in a stressful situation, you're 50% as, as accurate as you would be shooting at the range. And I think skydiving, for me and my personal experience, is exactly the same. Like when I'm jacked and I'm nervous, I don't do very well. I'm rigid. It's not smooth. I'm overthinking everything. And I think that that's a pretty common uh, thing. I think that's what uh, is difficult for, for me uh, about doing big ways, about doing jumps that I know is going to challenge my skill set. It's just like the uh, your ability to overthink it and uh, start breaking down your own skill is, is huge. I mean, that's an excellent, uh, excellent analogy, seriously, because... Like when you when you make these things up to be bigger than they are, instead of just focusing on what is what are the 
what's the basics of the skydive? What is your job? Focus on you. Don't. Fa- I mean, like it. I, I understand it's important to, to 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 watch out for other people and to you know make sure that you know where everybody is and everything. Sure. But um, just getting out of my own head. I mean, because I I'm a I'm a very particular person. Like I like to know what what's going to happen. I like to you know try to see into the future a little bit and see what's going to happen. And I know with this, it's just you have to you have to be as prepared as you can be. Go out there, do your job. Don't get anybody's way. <laughs> <laughs> within a reason you have to trust that pavlonian response you have to trust the fact that have i trained this well enough have i dirt dove this well enough do i know my skill set my dive flow well enough to go out there and do the base things i need to do mm-hmm. think of a couple key words and relax and enjoy it one of the things you said a minute ago when you talked about your first jump when you were in the sky you forgot about everything and then nothing mattered mm-hmm. And the best part about skydiving is it teaches me to live in the here and now. There's nothing I can do about five seconds ago, and there's nothing I can do about five seconds from now. I need to do what I need to do now. That's within reason, you know, safety, gear checks. But in the sky, with the here and now, there's something I can do. And then we get to a point as skydivers where we stop living in the here and now, and we start overthinking. Mm -hmm. How did you get over your overthinking? And I promise you guys who are listening to this, you'll never get over it. No. But how did you get over your hump? Um, just relying on visualizing and stop thinking about what could happen and what, I mean, that I, to a certain extent, that's important. I think, you know, trying to anticipate things that may happen or may, you know, oh, if this falls apart, what do we do? Yada, yada, yada. But, but you, right there, if this happens, what do we do? Right. Don't think what if what will happen. If this happens, answer the what will I do. Right. That's a great point. Um, I think relying on, how do I put this? Um, relying on what I've been taught and what I know. Like I should know like the back of my hand. What happens if, if um, what happens if I uh, can't get to a, for- I'm too far from a formation. Just, get over there you know there's there's been a couple of times where i've been on a a lot of like bigger skydives mm-hmm. and because i don't want to i don't want to get in the mess i kind of i kind of stay back um sometimes that's a good thing <laughs> not contribute to the mess but um having the confidence to actually go get, get there when when i should and i'm able to i think it's just like I, but right now I, I'm still, I'm still experimenting and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to figure out where I belong, I guess. Yeah. In the whole scheme of things. And 86 jumps, so many people are so eager to immediately place themselves in something. And one of the things that skydiving has brought in me is a much larger sense of self-awareness, which I really think can grow. I need to be better at. But it allowed me to open my eyes because I've taken the time to explore, to see what I'm doing. It's such an easy sport to learn. It's such a difficult sport to master. Mm -hmm. And that's the fun of it. Take your time. Trust in yourself. Uh, Jimmy Wynn, one of our buddies, just said that. And that's back to the idea. You've been trained. You know it well. And part of it, you said, is I should review these things. You know, go review anything you need to review. Review your patterns. Review your emergency procedures. Review your approaches. But review these things and then trust in your training. Mm -hmm. You need to believe in yourself. And I think, honestly, like probably my last 
I want to say like my last, I don't know, 20 or so jumps, I've felt much more confident and much more, um, much more aware of everyone around me and with the jump, knowing that if I want to go there, I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. And without really even thinking, I get there. Um, I, and I know stuff like that just comes with experience and it comes with jumps and it comes with, um, you know, just being in the sport more, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, cause you know, like, let's say for instance, like when I was in the tunnel for the first couple of times, I'm like, I want to go to the door. I don't know how to get to the door. (laughs) And then sooner or later without thinking you just go to the door you know your body just makes your mind you say i want to go there and you're there and it's that's starting to kind of happen in the sky now and it's it's a it's 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 a lot more fun because you know things are happening the way that i want them to in the sky so it's akin to walking man people get into skydiving and they expect that man i should be able to do this right now dude go take a child and teach him to walk and if you could teach him to walk in two minutes i'm impressed People with 30 jumps expect to be better than they are. In 30 jumps, you have 30 minutes of practice. That's 30 minutes of free fall. Show me anything anybody can master in 30 minutes, and that guy's Rain Man. Mm -hmm. You just can't do it. So understand and realize the patience of learning. It's going to take time to learn to walk again. You know, there... Uh, we, we're training this week an instructor at Spaceland, and a guy named Bill Dawson, really nice guy, and Chris Fudal is helping train him. And I tell Chris, I need you to go do this. And he's like, how do you do that? And I'm thinking, how do you don't? Uh, and in this case, potato chipping. You know, potato chipping, yeah. you're good at as a beginner. Try to go potato chip on purpose. Some people can, some people can't. Chris looked like a dead fish flopping on in the middle of the air. <laughs> it was pretty awesome to see. But eventually it becomes innate. Initially, eventually it becomes walking to you and now you're getting to that walking stage of all your new skills you had to learn emergency procedures free fall exits canopy what what was the most challenging skill set for you um the most challenging probably probably canopy and again, it's because of my overthinking. Like if I would, if I would just trust in in what I learned, then it wouldn't be such a big deal. Like it took me a long time uh, to stand up my landings. Yeah, I actually remember you struggling a little bit when we first met. Mm-hmm. Uh, you very quickly got it through, and and I think you said the right thing is overthinking. Mm-hmm. And that's as a canopy coach, I would say like ten percent of the time I'm a coach, ninety percent of the time I'm your psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. Stop thinking, start doing. Yeah. Trust yourself, trust your instincts. And I'll tell you something, like that canopy course, that helped me so much. Like as soon as, as soon as, like if I'm giving advice to younger jumpers, like if, as soon as you're done with STP, go take that canopy course. Cause it's amazing. Like. That's it folks, we're signing out tonight. It's just an advertisement <laughs> for canopy courses. No, since then, like, I, I know, like, I struggled a, a couple of times because I would overthink, am I too high, am I too low? And then, um, since then, I mean, I don't, I think I've, I think I've slid in, like, I PLF maybe once. Like, it's, it's helped a ton, a ton. Yeah. It's uh, something that you bring up, though, and something that I kind of hoped you did. I, I wasn't really worried about the canopy course. 
but most people struggle most at free uh, at canopy than they do at free fall. And, you know, really, how often do we hear of our friends getting hurt or dying in free fall? It happens. It mm. does. But it's not that big yeah. of a deal. What's the most important thing you can do on every skydive? Land. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it's one of the most intimidating things is because we're not afraid of free fall. We're afraid of the landing. Mm -hmm. Whether it's landing with a parachute or without a parachute, that's what we're afraid of. And because of that, that's what we tend to overthink. That's when we tend to, to, to overprocess it. And back to trusting yourself, flying your parachute. I also think, I, I, I've listened to people say, DJ, my landings suck. I'm like, hey, let's work together on something. And I've actually watched friends get coaching in the tunnel, get coaching in free fall, get touched to the tunnel, get coaching in free fall, and just constantly crash in their landing. And I'm thinking, dude, getting free fall coaching is awesome. I'm a huge advocate of free fall coaching. We have some great tunnel coaches out there. I'm a huge advocate. But you're going to get coaching on the part that's fun, and you're not going to get coaching on the part that saves your life. Right. That to me is kind of silly. And and I don't care that, you know, it, it can almost be a little self-serving is because it's what I do. But invest in your time. You know, how many for, for you? I'm curious because I see this a lot. When you first graduated, when you were at the end of your student program, was your accuracy reasonable at the end of your student program? Yeah. Were your landings reasonable at the end of your student program? They were reasonable. Now, the next five to ten jumps after you graduated. Where did your accuracy go? Did it stay the same or did it get worse? Um, it actually it actually was about the same. Okay. For for a little while, and then I didn't jump for a period of time um, during the winter. So because it's cold. Because it's cold, and we're out of town, and a whole bunch of stuff was going on. But um, getting back out there, it was like I kind of had to relearn everything kind of a little mm. bit like or I had to I had to brush up I had to like I even got back into my my student manual and I was I was reading and I was you know trying to figure out some stuff that would help and then I took your course um shortly thereafter which really I think it helped some of the missing pieces you know some of the stuff that we didn't necessarily learn in STP just some of the more I guess advanced canopy you know piloting skills which I think yeah. really helped. I mean, it helped my landings because I had some rough landings. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I had some rough landings. I mean, <laughs> I had bruises for a while, but um, I wasn't hurt or I wasn't, you know, it wasn't. Anything it hurt terrible. your ego more than your body. A little bit. I'm like, I hope nobody saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's the one thing that people get is, is they get their ego hurt more on landing than their body. And thank God. Yeah. But man, don't let it hurt your ego. And people go, I hope nobody saw that. When I canopy coach, people always are like, man, I hope you didn't see that one. I'm like, dude, you want me to see your bad ones. You don't want me to see your good ones. And that's the thing. Like being able to have something critiqued on video, <laughs> that's huge because before... Before that canopy course, I didn't know how what I looked like coming in. I didn't know if my legs were too out far out in front or if I was leaning. You know, I had no idea. Yeah. So seeing something on video and be, to be able to critique that, I mean, not only just for canopy, but, you know, in free fall and, you know, with the mentor program, I mean, that's huge. Being able to look back and say, okay, I can correct this, this, and this, and then it goes back to the whole visualization thing. Visualization with me is huge. Like, I will... Like if if I'm doing a, um, you know, turn in a couple points in a skydive, I mean I'll visualize it all the way up, and then just try to drown everything else out and do my safety checks and all of that, sure. and then, um, get out and do the dive. But 
I think visualization works huge for everybody who truly invests in it. I don't think everybody gets the same amount of benefit from it, but I hear a lot of people say, well, visualization doesn't work for me. And I'll tell them, man, if you truly invest in it, if you truly invest your time and your mind in it, I bet money you'll see a benefit of it. Back to some people benefit more than others. Right. And, and a lot of things you told me really kind of go in the direction that I'm wondering. I hear so many new jumpers who say, man, after I graduated, my accuracy got worse. After I graduated, my landings got worse. And I asked them what changed. And you said yours were about the same. But the thing that didn't change, the thing that you mentioned is I was back in my books. I was studying. I was reading. I was looking at these things. As students were forced to plan, as students were forced to make a decision, as students were forced to dirt dive everything, including canopy pattern, why aren't we dirt diving those things more often? And that's right. what you did, and, and that's good to hear. Well, well, I think some of the, like some of the similarities with skydiving as is with music. I I I, I cross reference the two a lot. I think because, like, you can never really master either one of them. You're always learning. You're always mm -hmm. trying to take in new information to make yourself better. Um, and I think that I want to be the best that I can at something. I mean, sometimes it's to the point of, like, I, I, I sometimes obsess about things. And I want to be good at this sport because I never thought at 31 years old I'd find something completely way different than any anything else in my life that I've become a part of this sport or something like this. So that's something that I found that I love just as much as I love music. It's really cool to be able to be like, okay, I can learn this and I, I'm, I'm a, like in music, I know, okay, I know what my strengths and my weaknesses are here. Over here, I'm like, okay, I'm, I gotta learn. I gotta, I got a lot of stuff to, to, you know, put in my brain. It's the, the new challenges. The thing that you, one of many things you've said is there's so many things to do. It's so, so diverse. You know, I've talked about this recently. I got back into wingsuiting recently. I've only made a couple jumps. Just my fun jumps are limited because my work jumps and I do got a very blessed job. But man, the nerd, hold on one second. <coughs> Stay with us, DJ. Man, I... Uh, Don't go towards the light. Dude, but the light is shiny. Um, the uh, Being in the plane and having those nerves, being in the plane and having those jitters, being those plane, in the plane and, and, and be like, <gasps> you know, just, just not quite freaked out, but at the same time, having to focus on calm, having mm -hmm. to focus on relax, having to focus on breathing. And I had to do that. I had to do that for a, g a good while. And I think once that those nerves started to kind of dissipate a little bit, of course you're you're jumping out of a plane, so you're gonna have you're gonna have a little bit of nervy stuff. I mean, I still do, but yeah. it's not where I'm trying to talk myself down to calm down. You say one of the things you do in the plane to calm down is to visualize, and I think that's such a strong thing. Focus on how it's going to go good. Focus right. on how it's going to go good. What else do you do in the plane to to not talk yourself down, but to enhance your calm? Breathing. Breathing's huge, like, and like I said, you know, I I I, I relate the, to the two skydiving mm -hmm. and music. Like I visualize, I visualize my stage, I visualize my song, I visualize a lot of stuff, and and I teach also. So I I will tell my students, visualize, like you, 
in a, in a sport, you you visualize you making the touchdown. You you're you're visualizing you're you're running across the field to, you know, to go catch the ball or you know whatever whatever your sport is. Sure. So if you're visualizing and you're breathing, breathing is huge for me because breathing. If you're if if you have real shallow breathing, then of course your heart rate is going to be up and you're going to be antsy and you're not going to be calm at all. So I have to remember deep in, deep out, slow, slow, slow. Right now breathing's huge for me because I'm struggling to do it in general. <laughs> but I love the way you describe it because people constantly remind people to breathe in the plane. And in an in instructor training, we see people get super hyper because Right now, Bill Dawson is going through AFF training, and every jump is the worst thing he can handle. He's basically going in the sky to get his butt handed to him on every jump. And Bill's doing a wonderful job with it. But I see a lot of guys in his position in the plane, and they're breathing, and they're focusing on breathing. (laughs) And you just explained exactly how that's going to manifest itself. Mm -hmm. Super slow, Mm -hmm. focused breaths. I I love how you describe that. Because, I mean, it's the same way that I would... like. my students that I've had over the years, it's the same thing. Like when you are, when you're nervous about something, you're going to be going out there and in like the, the shallow breathing is just going to make your heart rate, you know, increase. And it, you're not, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to calm yourself down. You just need to take a, take a minute, even stretching, stretching helps. I mean, in both, you know, making sure you're loose, you're limber and you're not all tensed up. I mean, sometimes like I would catch myself, you know, just, on the plane, and I'm like, okay, wait, I gotta just relax, relax, relax. And once you you start to detense and start breathing, real slow in and out, and get all of that, all that negative energy out of your body. It's almost the obvious question for you, but I think for a lot of us, do you ever sing in the plane or in the sky to calm yourself down? Yeah, I would hum. And I'll tell people, which is weird, but I would. I think we all have a happy song. You know, if you ever watch the movie Happy Gilmore, he had his happy place. You mm-hmm. know, the chick with lingerie and beer and grandma on the slots. Um, have a happy place. And first of all, people have actually heard me singing under canopy. And I don't realize I sing out loud under canopy because you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> and, and I've landed multiple times. I was like, were you just singing such and such song? I'm like, actually, I was singing the other day under canopy doing a turn to land when a man loves a woman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Subbay came up to me. He's like, were you just singing when a man loves a woman? I'm like, uh, yeah, I was. So take that. Um, my happy song. If you ever see me nervous in the plane, you can bet money. I am singing the Sesame Street theme song. Oh, seriously? Sunny days, everything A-OK, on my way to where the air is clean. Tell, tell me how to get. I mean, dude, that is, I'm serious. I use that regularly. That's awesome. If uh, th- there's a good chance on my 8,000th jump, I jumped with Nick. I'm not the most current head down flyer. And when I get current, I'll be better because when I am current, I'm not bad. But I get super tense when I'm not current because I get super nervous. So I bet money, Nick, in the plane together, I sang Sesame Street. Yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't say for sure whether you did or not. But Oh, uh, I didn't you... sing it out loud. Oh, no? I sometimes sing out loud. I'll even, like, if, if, if it's a song, like a hip-hop song, like, I'll just be talking to myself at a volume that I know nobody else can hear. Yeah. If someone leaned over or looked at me close enough, yeah, they might notice that something's going on. Yeah. But uh, no, that's that's great advice. I'm hypercritical of my singing, and and you've heard me sing. I think even in this room, and it's horrible. I can't sing. It's beautiful. 
No, it's horrible. <laughs> you're like a mix between Fergie and Jesus. So if you're a Christian, oh. the Bible says make a joyful noise. If if the Bible says make a joyful noise, I am the most religious man ever because it is a noise, <laughs> dude. It's a noise. Um, find a happy song. Find a happy face, place. Find that breathing and that rhythm. Mm-hmm. So here That's you, huge. Here you are. Your next barrier is 100 jumps. I know. I'm so excited. See, this, this is the problem. Is You are way too good and thoughtful and experienced like to be someone with 100 jumps like you're so unrelatable to many of the people like the 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 person with 80 some odd jumps that i worry about because they haven't gotten any coaching in the tunnel they haven't done a canopy course they don't visualize they don't breathe they don't do those things that because of your background and because of uh how you came into skydiving through you know flying with jay first the number of tandems you did the things that you did to to get comfortable i feel like you have a lot going for you that makes you uh a good skydiver so not to say that you're cheating i just think you you've got a really good head start compared to most people who have your number of jumps in skydiving right now um i think that this uh dj and i talked about this this podcast and the thought of like it would be really good to have a new jumper who you know maybe would have some of these questions some things that uh some ideas that we can maybe settle out for someone who has the same number of jumps that you do but you're too smart about it so why don't well, you help she, us out and ask some dumb questions for well, me? Well, okay, so, <laughs> but I think I think that I think who I surrounded myself with too that really really helped yep. me. I mean, I had like, you know, Jay took me, you know, dang near. I half, can't believe Jay's our good example. Well, I mean, he took me through, you know, most of STP, and then you know, I had I had Liz. She was amazing, and um, you know, Tony. He, we did a couple of jumps together too, and it's like. When I graduated, I think the weekend that I graduated, I had, um, or y'all had the um, one of the one of the big camps, and so I was jumping with Raul and um, with uh, with Pops and you know just some really great skydivers, and they just they helped me right off the bat, you know, learn things that maybe I don't know, I don't know if I don't know if 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 my journey was really that much different than anybody else's but um I think your journey's different and I think Stephen Boyd really just made a comment that hits a nail on the head she's a pro and that's what pros do and and I agree with Nick's comment you know what you're saying right now isn't really taking us to where some of our problem children are but what I think you are doing is you're setting an example if you want to excel at skydiving, if you want to think you're going to be a badass, if you think you want to strive and you want to achieve and you want to overcome all of this, then number one, humble yourself. And that's that what is I exactly see. that's exactly it. Like I know going into this sport, like where I may be, I may be pretty good over here in this world, but over here I am a newbie, and I realize that. And when people come and give me you know, constructive criticism or like, hey, I saw you do this under canopy. You shouldn't do that. I understand that somebody's not saying that just because they've got an ego trip going on and they don't want me to do something. It's because like they're looking out after my safety. And that's the thing that I love about, you know, everybody that, you know, down at Spaceland, like they'll come to you because they want to help you, you know, they're and, and maybe, Maybe they don't know the other side of the story. Maybe they don't know that they didn't see the other canopy on your left-hand side or, you know, why you were doing what you were doing. And if you come and you talk things out, then everybody's on the same page and everybody's better for it because you're always learning. And, like, I like learning. 
Like I love learning. That's why I think I do so many different things is because um, I think I would get bored if I just did one thing forever. I mean, music, I've never gotten bored with music and that's the thing I love about skydiving. I've not, <laughs> I don't see myself getting bored of skydiving anytime soon. If you do quit, right? Yeah. It's yeah. What would be the point? <laughs> I think you make such a good point is when somebody comes to you with constructive criticism you see it just as that because a lot of times as experienced jumpers, we forget about the word constructive and we use criticism and people get upset. But man, I've had a bunch of friends die in life, but I've also had a bunch of friends die in the sport. I've watched one of my best friends hit the ground and break his femur and I didn't know if he was alive. I'm teaching the first jump course and the man I consider my brother is laying over there and we don't know if he's alive and I'm having to keep my composure for it. So... <clears throat> When you, sorry, I'm just trying to compose my throat, speaking of composure, <laughs> when, when you hear people come up to you, you don't hear criticism, you hear constructive criticism, and that's what people need to realize. Constructive criticism is what we mean. Look for the message of gold, Deliver, uh, ignore the delivery of pewter. If guys coming up to you and they're spitting pewter at you, spitting pewter at you, I guarantee you there's a nugget of gold somewhere. Listen. If a jumper gives you a hundred words and only one percent of that was good advice, you gain something. Yeah, take the one percent. Yeah. And I think that's what's allowed you to excel is you don't look at the pewter, you don't look at the lead, you don't look at the ninety-nine percent. You look at that one percent, and because of that, you've actually allowed people to give you a hundred percent. Because the more open you are, I think the more gold you get and the less pewter that gets delivered. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's really important to take that, like I said, the constructive criticism part because you're only going to learn from it and then everybody learns from it. So So your hundredth jump is upcoming. Any special plans? I don't know. I really want to jump with an inflatable. I've wanted to do that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, I think. When you came to the house. I was like, so what do you have to do... I think uh, it just and it's just a, I don't know. It, I've just seen like some videos and it just looks like it's fun. When we leave uh, here tonight, right outside of the office door, you'll actually see a picture of Valerie riding an inflatable alligator. Really? Uh, so um, actually, Stephanie Ann Tiggers uh, is her name on Facebook, mm -hmm. or one of our loaders. She has a couple of inflatable gators. So there's definitely a lot of things we can do with inflatables. They, they could be a lot of fun. There's a, a lot of other options, and I'm gonna guess money. Um, most people who do their 100th jump, a lot of us are willing to help. A pretty girl wants to do her 100th jump, you get all the help you want. Yeah, I definitely want it to be a fun jump. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It'll probably be pretty soon because, I mean, it's summertime and it's gorgeous out. And, like, right now I'm trying to get, you know, like, Sunday I think I got four or five in and... Mm -hmm. And that was on a half day, so. And you're also very flexible because I see you out on weekdays regularly. Your mm -hmm. work schedule flows and flexes, and, and you do a lot of stuff at night with uh, music. Mm -hmm. So you've got 100 jumps here very soon, very shortly. What's your next goal in skydiving? What, what's your next big thing to do? Uh, well, of course, you know, the 200 so I can have my camera. Um, I'm a photographer anyway, so I love pictures, and I love documenting things, and I love... Um, you know, being able to, you know, see the potential with what, what I could do with a camera. But um, I would love to do demo jumps. I would love that. 
I mean, that's that's yeah, yeah. that's way off. But I mean, it's that's that's, that's the big, big goal. That's the big one. You know, Martin Luther said, "I have a dream." <laughs> yeah. And without a dream, we can't do anything. I, I I really really hate when I hear a new jumper say, "I have this big dream," and other jumpers try to stop them and show them down. Listen to what that person's goal is first. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a new jumper, uh, Nigel Evans. You know, Nigel. Yep. Nigel, one of our, used to be our Packers, he was in the student program. And somebody said, DJ, this kid said he wants to be an instructor. You want to tell him what you think of that? And that instructor wanted me to tell him, slow down and chill out. And I looked, I was like, man, you want to be an instructor? Yeah. Man, when I was a brand new jumper, when I was a student, I said, I want to teach this one day. And I teach it today, man. You got a dream, you got a goal, chase it, brother. Yeah, and see, it's not like you're saying, oh, I, I'm going to do that right now. I'm yes. going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, you know forego all the prerequisites. I mean, I would love to be a coach. I love to teach. I love telling, you know, trying to teach somebody else what I know and, you know, go through experiences with them and all of that kind of stuff. I know where what, what I'm good at. Um, can I coach and teach right now? No, heck no. I'm still learning myself and you're always learning. But um, eventually, yeah, I would love that. I would love to be a coach. Yeah. Um, Do you know what it takes to get your, dem- your pro rating or your demonstration rating? We we t- we talked about it a little bit, but I mean, you could yeah. definitely refresh. How my many memory. jumps? Uh, two hundred. Five hundred. Oh, five hundred. You have to have a D license of five hundred. Okay. Do you know what your accuracy requirements are? Uh, twenty five. Uh, for your C license, twenty five within two meters. Okay. But for your pro rating, you have to land ten times within ten meters of target. I'm sorry, five meters of the target, pre declared. 10 times in a row. Okay. So you don't have to do 10 jumps in a row. You just have to declare it 10 declare times in a row. So Nick says, you know what? On this jump, I declare. And by the way, you have to declare before you get on the airplane, two very specific people, safety and training advisors, examiners, myself, Hank, Jason Hyder, Ben Nelson, Valerie Marvin. Um, these are people you have to pre-declare to. So it's a pretty tight, stringent set of rules, but it's very, very doable, especially if you have the right training. Mm-hmm. From there, there's other things like, you know, you have to be able to jump with smoke, flag, uh, fun, really, really fun stuff, but mm-hmm. there's some dangers to it. And so we train you and we make sure you have it the right way. And back to the idea, you've got a goal, 500 jumps from now. I wish more jumpers had that idea. You know, how often, Nick, do you go to a new jumper and you say, what do you want to do? And they're like, uh, skydive. Yeah, it's a pretty common thing. And again, I think that that's just uh, a part of discovering what skydiving really is. I think it's hard to have a goal right at first when you just think, you just kind of think you're doing it already. I mean, that's how, that's what my experience was. It's like, oh yeah, we're skydiving. Like, I'm going to do like eight flips on this one. It's going to be super <laughs> badass. <laughs> and, then, and then I, after, you know, after I started free flying way too soon. So, and I think that this is why I have kind of an oversensitivity to the danger of the solo free flyer is because I, uh, I was that. And sure. I know, how, I know now how bad I was and how dumb the things were that I was doing and how just, uh, inconsiderate and almost mindless some of those things were that I was only you know, I was my experience of skydiving. I was just waiting until the dude in front of me was out of the door so I could go on my skydive. You know, it's easy to get lost in the in your own experience and kind of forget that it's going on for everybody else and that you're sharing the sky, that you're sharing the airspace, that you're having to land a little tiny nylon parachute amongst everybody else. So, uh, so that's why that that uh, kind of resonates with me is because I I feel like I had a big misunderstanding with skydiving and started to try and learn free flying way too soon missed all the fundamentals and was a really bad skydiver for a pretty long time and then spent a lot of time in the tunnel trying to to fix it out 
or to try and work it out, try and fix things. But there are still things that the fundamentals that I have uh, would have been much better had I listened and learned it right the first time. So I think that that's why when I when I see someone you know so, solo sit in the in the loading area, it's like, hey man, like why why do you think that that's the right thing to do right now? And some people take that conversation really well and uh, and they'll listen and you know I'll, I'll tell anyone who I start that conversation with, I say, hey, if you want to talk more about this when we land, please come and find me. We'll take a look at the mock-up. We'll talk about uh, you know, we have a, a pretty long conversation at times about uh, why they may or may not be ready to, to be making that move. But uh, because I made that mistake huge in the beginning of my skydiving career, I think it's something that just stands out for me. Yeah, and it, you can recognize it. You, you see yeah. it. And it's, it's huge that you say that because like where you're offering advice to somebody, you're, you're offering it because of your experience. And that's, that's huge. I hope people can really read into the message Nick gave, and it's something I said earlier. We're giving you the advice not because we want to hold you back, and you said it as well, Susan. We're giving you the advice because we want to push you forward and lift you up. We want you to have a long, successful career skydiving, and it's okay. One of the things that you said is people don't know what their goals and their dreams are right now, and they don't know what their goals and dreams are right now because they don't know what to expect. Don't be afraid, people, to set goals and dreams also, don't be afraid to change those goals. A lot of times we set goals and then we're afraid to change them because we don't want to admit failure. Changing goals isn't failure. It's evolution. Mm-hmm. In many cases, <clears throat> just because you changed the goal doesn't mean you failed. It means you evolved and you came to a new understanding. <clears throat> I got into skydiving in the 90s. Sky surfing was huge. It was in the X Games at that point. Um, it, it was a big scene. There were quite a there, the terminal velocity drops and were two very big movies. Cutaway was a, or not cutaway. Um, point Break and, and sky surfing was a big thing. I got into skydiving because I wanted to sky surf. I have no desire to ever tie my feet <laughs> to a board in free fall. I've shot a buttload of video for sky surfing. I've have you shot, ever done it? No, no. I've shot video for ESPN of Japan for ESPN. I've shot outside footage of teams. I've actually gone and trained with teams in sky surfing. I love it. I've trained with Stefan Klaus, who was one of our, uh, not one of, he was the last X Games gold medalist. And as a free fly team, we trained with them. And I actually shot video of Stefan in routines. It was a blast. But I have no desire to tie a board to my feet. I didn't fail at those goals. My goals evolved because I have a better understanding of them. So young jumpers, don't be afraid to set these goals. And at the same time, don't be afraid to evolve and change those goals. Amen. So yeah. <coughs> That's very, very true. I uh, When I first started skydiving, I really <laughs> thought DJ. I wanted... Yeah, he's, he's, you're hanging in there, man. You're doing, uh, you're doing pretty good for how your voice was this morning. Oh, uh, dude. Mean, I don't think it's gotten much worse than it was this morning. No, I tr- I protected it a lot today. Tommy's been jumping for me. I, I've been very smart through this sickness. Did, did you try my uh, teaspoon of olive oil? I have not recommendation. Yet. That no. does work, and does it's it work for you? nasty, it's but disgusting. it works. Yeah. I read about it on the way home, and as soon as I got home, I took a hot shower, steam, loosened everything up, and then immediately got to cooking. And before I know it, we were sitting here. So I, I uh, besides sipping on syrup, I'm going to uh, do that before I go to bed. And then it's uh, gross. Just plug your nose. <laughs> uh, I could deal with gross. I like Jaeger, so I can deal with gross. <laughs> and then tonight, tomorrow night, Val and I are going out for a date. And then Wednesday night or Thursday night, we have another podcast. So we'll see where I'm at. Well, we're going to see if you can uh, not not talk for a couple of days. Me not talk. <laughs> <laughs> Me not talk. And then maybe the sun won't come up either. And people same probability. 
No, but I really thought I wanted to be a uh, tandem instructor for a long time when I first started jumping. I thought that, uh, you know, when I started skydiving, I was uh, I did body piercing for a living, and I owned a business with a couple <laughs> friends of mine. We owned our own place. And to celebrate our one-year anniversary of being in business, we went skydiving. And I really thought at the time, I, you know, I was uh, 19, almost 20. I thought that I was doing the thing that I was going to enjoy the most to do uh, during the day for work. You know, I thought I had the coolest job. And uh, I'm pretty fortunate. Most people, uh, like most tandem instructors, aren't the best flyers at the at the drop zone. For the most part, a lot of career tandem instructors are just, uh, that's just what they do. And that now that's their experience of skydiving. But... The guy who took me on my first skydive, his name's Dusty Hanks. He's a coach at iFly Utah. Well, he's been on badass lots of world records. Flyer. He's a yeah, he's a badass guy. Yeah, and so it's really cool having you know. He took me on my first jump, and then I got I get to see uh, I get to see all the cool stuff he does. And I've actually been on records with him now since that jump, which is super rewarding for me. That's but cool. the, the the moment that the parachute opened, I said, "Man, I thought I had the coolest job in the world, but this is way better than what I do." And so I thought at that moment that I would that I would take tandems. And I don't think that I really consciously started pursuing that goal right then, but I, I did start skydiving a lot right then. And then as I spent more time in the sport and got to you know, watch what that job really looks like from the inside perspective, then I decided I just didn't want to be attached to somebody else. I wanted to fly my body in my own little parachute, and uh, I wanted to make movies about it. And so I don't think that I failed to do what I you know, set out to do in skydiving. It's, uh, I think it's just another example of it. Just because your goals change and your understanding of what skydiving is and what it means to you and what you do want to do with it, that stuff sh- should change. I think for most people it does change, and it should change as you understand what it is. But uh, I, don't, I don't think that if anyone changes their mind, they should ever view it as failing. And if, that you, if your interest uh, goes from somewhere that you, you know, let's say you thought you were going to be a super badass wingsuiter, and then you saw what skydiving really was, and, oh, maybe free flying is what I want to do. That's... I think that's totally yeah, you're, the you're smart allowed move. to change your mind for sure. And definitely explore those options as you travel. Um, Nick, you actually explored ratings. You got your coach rating. Yeah. We talked a little bit about him doing other <laughs> ratings. It wasn't for a lack of trying and exploring. As a matter of fact, I think that's why you changed your goals. You explored and you looked into it deeper. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I would enjoy STP jumps when they go well. But I'm really great at stressing myself out. And ask anybody who knows me. It's one of my <laughs> greatest skills. And uh, I just don't want skydiving to ever be more stressful than it is enjoyable. Sure. And I think that that's what uh, deters me from doing an AFF rating is that I think, I mean, and, and again, this is maybe my worry is overpowering my ability to just give it a chance in the first place. That maybe if I gave it a chance, I got the rating and started doing the jumps, I would notice that, you know, maybe it wasn't... Uh, uh, living up to what it is in my imagination. But it seems like every time I get really close to, hey, maybe I'm going to do that AFF course, I see a crazy video or hear a crazy story that's like, man, I'm just happy that that's not my responsibility. Sure. I want to high-five people in the sky. I want to make them smile and laugh. And uh, I want to play with my cameras and play with my little parachute and just not have to, to worry drone. about that stuff. Yeah. That thing's so cool. It, it is fun. I like that yeah. drone. We all fit our own niche, and, and you sound like you have some of yours. So you want to get a coach rating one day? I do. I definitely don't want to do tandems. That's like that's something that you said that I completely agree on. Like I, um, I'm that's never even entered my mind at all. But I would love to, I would love to be able to to teach and to. Well, when you do that first demo jump into a concert that you're playing, I know. Oh See, my that's, God. that's I'm, I'm going to be the there. Goal. 
<laughs> that's yeah. the goal right there. <laughs> I didn't see that. Y'all just like open my eyes. Yeah. That would be so dope, man. That would be huge. How cool would it be to have a wireless mic system that you could be singing, you know, <laughs> while you're like flying and like you just start as you land and just hope you don't land hard. I go poof. Yeah. Right. That, that would be, would be so very cool. cool. So have you have you thought about this? Is this? Oh yes. Okay. Oh, I've definitely thought of that. That would be so cool. You want to teach people? What level would you want to teach people? Are you talking about just coaching, or do you think one day maybe doing stuff like basic level instruction? Um, it would probably maybe evolve into that. I mean, um, I mean, I'm definitely open to it. I just, you know, we'll have to see how my progression goes and. Have, have goals, people. You know, if, if you've got goals like this and, and if you ever want to talk about it and you say this is one of your goals, let's talk at some point and I can lay out a good map and a good path for you. You don't have to necessarily work with coaches to get there, although coaches will help you. But I can say these are your plans for skydiving. These are the things you're going to do. You know, I think there's such a time as too early to swoop, but I don't think there's such a time as too early to learn about swooping mm -hmm. because a lot of the fundamentals we use as high-performance camping pilots are things you can learn on your in our student program. The fundamentals we're learning in the student program is what I use as a camping pilot every day. Um, so th it's never too early to start learning what you need to do to evolve to that level. And it's right. never too late to start flying a real landing pattern again. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, fly a pad. Are you? Why do you look at me when you say that? Oh no, I, I was only looking at you because I thought you could relate to the the people with a very high level of experience who just do not fly a pattern at all. Oh my God. I like to be predictable, and I like other people yeah, in the, the sky point. to be predictable. That's the word pattern. A pattern is something that repeats itself that right. should be predictable. Did a woman say I like to be predictable? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I don't know what to say about this. If you listen to this podcast and you don't know me, you might think I'm sexist. I make a lot of woman jokes. No, it's okay. Um, I am sexist. I prefer women every day of the week. There so you go. Just saying. That works. Um, just saying. <laughs> um, so kind of getting a little bit late in the night, kind of moving forward. At some point, I need some sleep. But anything else you want to tell new jumpers out there listening to this, things that you want to share in your experience? Um, just keep doing it. I mean, like like we, we talked about all of our goals and all, all, the, all the stuff that, you know, like – um, so all the options that there are, but I mean, first and foremost, I mean, if you're skydiving, you're doing it for yourself right now. Like nobody, I don't think anybody starts skydiving for anybody else. I mean, can that it be, happens on occasion. Does it? Yeah. You know, my boyfriend skydived, so I got into skydiving because he wanted me to, oh. but they don't last. Yeah. They ch typically don't last. I mean, and if you're doing the, if you're doing it for the right reasons, I mean, keep doing it and like, you're, you're going to evolve. You're going to, you know. You're gonna find your niche, and you're gonna find your where you belong. Um, I've heard so many stories about like so many people drop off after you know, hundred, two hundred jumps, and and then that's it. And it's like, well, there's so much more to learn, and there's so much information at our fingertips. And you know, we have great mm -hmm. we have great mentors and coaches and instructors down there. That I mean, if you want to know anything, all you have to do is ask. I mean, I think that that's the the big thing. Like, don't be afraid. To ask, and I think where I'm a, um, I think I'm a, a an approachable person, and and I'm I, I I tend to seek people out if I want information. Um, if you if you want to know something, you're not sure about something, just ask because you're not going to be faulted for you know being stupid or oh you should know this. I mean you're gonna you're gonna get the a, a good response, and you won't always get it from the person you want it from. 
but seek it out. We'll all find our mentors. We all don't jive, and that's okay. Somebody might not give you the answer. At the same time, don't go searching for the answer until you get the answer you want. Oh, true. You know, th- yeah. there, there is a difference when, like, M- mom says no, so go ask dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's avoid that. But at the same time, find the people who work well with you because there's people who can work with each other well, and there's people who can't, and that's okay. Search out those people that you know you can work with. Search out those people you can ask questions with. You know, we're very lucky in the sport. Skydivers like to talk. Mm-hmm. We're very lucky in the sport. Skydivers like to share. And one of the things that I don't think people understand anymore is the tradition of buying a case of beer. I buy a case of beer. Why do I buy a case of beer? Um, so you can sit around and talk with the, the people that have had similar experiences or maybe, you know, you, you sit around to it. learn. Yeah, you're getting too many of these right. That's supposed to be no, a curveball. No, that's perfect. No, it's not. But that's you're per- but, but to, to sit around and you basically, you know, quote unquote, you know, shoot the shit. And you're bribing people for their knowledge. Exactly. Hey, Susan, you got beer. Give me one of those. What'd you buy Why'd you buy beer, beer for? for? Yeah. Oh, well, let me tell you about the first time I had a malfunction. Or let me tell you about the time I did this. Man, buying that case of beer is about the fellowship and the friendship, but it's about the sharing of knowledge as well. So share that knowledge, man. And, and Susan, I think you've done a wonderful job of, of telling people a good way to be. And guys, if I could tell you anything in the world, be like Susan. We need more Susan Hickman skydivers in this world. Well, thanks. Um, the cute blonde doesn't hurt. The I'm open to knowledge, I'm open to information, and I'm open to learning is really what's important. Um, as we get ready to wrap this up, do you have any song in mind that you wanted to play? Um, I could play you my new one, my new single. Let's close out. Uh, let's do that. Let's see. I was I was going to actually say something about one of my favorite songs, but I'd rather hear your new single. Are you sure? Absolutely. Okay. So while you're getting that ready, we'll talk a little bit. Um, guys, if you are listening to this live, Judson will be joining us this Thursday night for a little bit of a uh, conversation, sharing his, his inspirational story about how he moves forward. Also... Uh, Nick, you'll be happy because he's sharing a story about being a bonehead. You're like, hey, man, I had 120-some-odd jumps, and I'm trying to swoop. So the arrogant part that we kind of talked about, Judson is very interested in sharing and telling people, learn from our mistakes. So he's kind of the opposite example of who we have here tonight. <laughs> um, at that point, uh, I think it'll go good. Uh, I really appreciate having Susan Hickman here. You could check her out, susanhickman.com uh, is her website. Search on Facebook, Susan Hickman on Facebook. You'll find both her personal page and her uh, her uh, fan page. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you on Instagram or Twitter, and how can I, I find am. you? Um, I think it's under Susan Hickman Music <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. So usually if you just Google my name and Instagram, I mean, it'll pop up. Yeah. So If you Google Susan Hickman Music, everything in the world about you pops up. So guys and gals. Check out Susan Hickman. She's about to play us out here in just one second. Um, Till then, thanks for joining us. We got Mr. P behind the desk. We got the wonderful and beautiful Susan Hickman. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait to have you back after the new album and share a little bit more of your music with everybody else. Till then, guys, this is DJ Blue Skies. We are out here. Susan, hit our music. Say, live and let live is a way to let your worries go. I know tomorrow is coming fast, I've gotta hurry. 